Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. And we are live on Oz Property Invest. We bring the big names, and and so far we have big one one big fun. Per- oh, jeez, what a, I messed that one up, Scotty. What am I doing? I was singing. About <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even do the pre singing, mate. How how are you going there? What's what's happening, Mister Mister? Mate, Mouse? I'm well. I'm really well. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm um, in good spirits. I've got no cords coming out of my body today, currently, which is a win from the last seven weeks or so. So I'm feeling good, ready for a for a you know good session on negotiation. Yeah, we were negotiating some technology prior, so but Aaron, Aaron will be joining us. I'm sure he'll he'll jump on, but um, so it could just be a, a solo kind of riffing session. And how good is that? Like how how much fun? I I've, I just love. That's why live TV. You just never know what it's going to throw up. So, um, but, but just yeah, don't go up. <laughs> no, no, he, he was here. I promise. Aaron was here. He hasn't he hasn't ditched us, but no. So let's. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to have an absolute cracking session because negotiation, I think it's more, it's going to be more than like you've bought, what is it, 27 or 28 properties? How many properties have you bought now? 29, I think we're on. Yep. Yes, okay. So you've even bought one since the last time we've spoken, have you? No, I don't think so. I think I did a subdivision of that one. So I ended up one into uh, two. Maybe that was the difference like, between them. Oh, so you just, go, just go and buy like an eight lot subdivision. You bought, yeah, that's, there you go. Yeah. No, but so <laughs> you're, 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 not, you're not only a one, one trick pony. You are actually, yes, negotiating is part of the reason you owned all those properties. But you, I think you sell yourself short on your investing skill and, and all that sort of thing as well. So um, we're going we're gonna to talk all that. Oh, here he is. He's back. Let's see. Let's see if he's, see how he's going. Aaron, Hopefully how you going? I'm here. Yeah, yes. look, look at that. He's crystal clear. You get... I, I am going well. Good. Oh, good, good. Nice to see, yeah, nice yeah. To see you in, like, in, in 3D. Going all right. Oh, yeah. no. He's frozen again, has he? No, no. No, no. He's just not moving. <laughs> no, no, no. I think he's frozen. Anyway, so. Oh, no, no. I think it's there. So we're, what are we going to talk That's about right. tonight? We are going to talk about, it's going to be a negotiation play-by-play. So, and, and what that means is we're going to talk about what you need to do prior to, because I think there's there's a whole heap of work and research you need to do prior. And then after you've done that, I think it's important to sort of understand and get into the, the nuts and bolts. We're going to talk about your process and, and what that involves. And then I think it, what, what we're also going to unpack is some rookie mistakes and all that sort of stuff. And how you can actually improve your negotiation, which I think for me, there's probably really probably only one way to do it. But I'm interested to hear how you unpack that. Um, sure. But there's going to be a whole, whole bunch of fun and a whole bunch of things that, and throw some questions and comments, people, because there's, this is a topic that people love to, they think they know quite well. And until you do it quite a lot, Scott's done, have you done 10,000 now? Have you done definitely no, less than that? Somewhere between three and 4,000 easily, but not 10,000. Definitely okay. not. I'd be even grayer than I currently am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, but great. So without further ado, it's going to be a fun field and an exciting session. And so Aaron, if you, are you, are you with us, mate? Do you want to do your, well, we'll go to Scotty with quote of the week and Aaron, you, you're on mute at the moment. So anyway, go, go on, Scott. What's your, what's your quote right. of the week? Throw I'm going to kick off with mine. So mine is the only moment of possible happiness is the present. 
The past gives regrets and future uncertainties. And that's by the one and only Arsene Wenger, my hero. Arsene Wenger? Yeah, the, the, Ars- the, the, the Arsenal football coach. The one and only Arsene Wenger with his magic hat. It sounds yeah. like that sounds like a Dalai Lama quote. <laughs> definitely, wow, love it. How, yeah. how how good is that? Yeah, yeah, he's he's an absolute legend. So I've, now yeah. I've got my son dressed head to toe in Arsenal and in the backyard all the time kicking a soccer ball. So I'm happy. Yeah, good times. Aaron, you joined us. You good? You good? You're you're on on deck. I think he's on deck. I have got a ring light. Someone's just said, "Have I got a ring light?" Or "Have got a ring light?" Yeah, because I, I can I can see in in your I, I do too, but I think oh, it's sorry. Is that better? yeah? Yeah, <laughs> I, it looks like you got you got. <laughs> that's that's awesome, but um, but no, it's just jump in, the jump wrong in when you. But my my quote of the week, while um, while Aaron sorts himself with that, is I, I did a negotiation one, so mine's a bit boring, but I think it's interesting. So mine is, in business as in life, you, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate, which is by Chester Carras. So he's, nice. he's, a, he's an author. So I think that's kind of poignant for this session because if, if, you, don't, if you don't sort of figure out me? what you actually... You got me? We got you. Yep. Got a You're back. You're back. So yeah, I think, I think that one is apt for this session. So you really need to figure out that negotiation sort of piece. And if you're not asking, you're not sort of... Anyway. I, 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 Very I, topical, Jeffrey. Pretty... Good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Aaron, ah, what about you, you man? Oh. Have you got a quote for us, Aaron? No. <laughs> that's, all, that's all right. We'll, um, we'll sort that out. But um, tonight, as, as I said, tonight is going to be an amazing session. It's going to be a whole heap of fun, and, and we're going to be unpacking a lot of kind of myths, and we've done some of these before, but I think, even now in, in sort of a, a different dynamic of a market and just a changing market, it's interesting to hear what you're saying. So without further ado, though, let's, let's throw to our first I'm, – I'm going to see if I can nail this. I think I can actually do it. I'm going to throw to our first session. There we go. And we are, we are go. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yield, so you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. 
Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. Un, I'll unmute us all. So we we, we are back. So how 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 good is how good is that? Um, but good old Polizzi's become a dad, and he's now um he's now giving a hundred percent, I believe. On so he's giving the books away for free. And I was probably I was just about to you say know. you need to use the code free and free book. Can... <laughs> I know. I, I think I think then he has to pay for all of it. Up, actually, but uh, but no, Scott. So. For those of you who have not run into, I've seen you've been in more media, Scott. But for those people who haven't seen you before, you've been active buying, in buying and selling, negotiating for decades. I believe it's twenty-five plus years. Is it? It's not thirty years yet, is it? I hope not. Although it feels okay. like it some days. We'll just say twenty. We'll just say twenty-five, at least twenty-five. Yeah. So you've ever seen thousands. So it's not tens of thousands yet. You, you confirmed it's three to four thousand, and you've I'd got the that. you've. Ex- You've experienced the the game playing, the mistruths and the high emotions involved in buying a property, which is is true for a lot of transactions. And you purchased twenty nine, so you've you've actually updated that. Thanks, thanks for doing that. And <laughs> and you're passionate about helping people with your with a course as well, which you'll hear more about later in the show. But you are are you put in there? You're a great bloke as well. I, I didn't have that one, but you added that one yourself. So. <laughs> Self proclaimed. I don't know. You're a Queensland fan, so I'm not convinced about that. But the thing, the thing I love about you though is you just get out and make it happen. Like you're a keen traveller and and you do all that sort of good stuff. So hope I didn't miss anything, Scott. But um, you've done no, done a few rough, things. Thanks. Sorry for hijacking your um your your, your show notes as well earlier and writing all the things about myself. No, that's okay. So how how are you going to Aaron? You, you're back. You with us? <laughs> I, 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 want, I, want, I want to get him involved the poor, poor little bloke's taken oh no, poor, poor, poor guy's taken his, taken his night out but anyway we'll get, we'll get started I wanted to, wanted to mix it up and, and throw a bit of a curveball your way and I did tell you about this just before so you had, a, had 10 minutes of prep for it but what is your favourite negotiation Mr. Mr. Scott and Mr. Agate well I said to you previously because we've talked about this you know multiple times over the years but I think and this is a really cheesy kind of thing to say, but I think um, there's a lot of enjoyment for me and a lot of value and a lot of lessons in even just doing the most mundane negotiations that wouldn't excite most people. So sometimes it's winning properties at the price that the client told us that they were prepared to pay. We didn't even save any money, but it's winning in heavy traffic, like lots of buyer competition or getting an agent who is really arrogant or an owner off a particular price. Um, you know, to come down to meet where our, our client needs might be or where our estimate of the price might be. So there's lots of those ones that actually genuinely light me up. Like that's what I really enjoy doing about the job. There's probably two really good examples though that I think are fun to talk about. Um, one was, uh, and stop me if I've told you this story before, Did we, we talked about the one in Brisbane uh, this year where I bought uh, for the developer. I bought one back. Have you heard that story? Yeah, yeah that was in that apartment. I think where you said you bought it, what, 80K under or something? I think it was about 135,000 at about 450 grand. Yeah, below that. So I won't go into that one if we've spoken about that one before, you and I. Um, the mother, the Have you got me? Yeah, I've got you. Although occasionally you kind of like just wake from the dead and then disappear again. Can you hear us still? 
We'll keep talking anyway, me and Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one that I've got live going on at the moment, which I think is a really good one to unpack because it's, um, it's relevant, it's right in front of me and uh, there's lots of learnings in, in this one and it's been a really good one in the office for us to kind of workshop together to see what the pros and cons are of doing some particular steps in terms of what I say to the client and when, what I say to the agent and when and how to set this negotiation up. So we're buying a property that's through um, the open negotiation platform. So I'm not sure if people have, Come across that. Jeff buys in Western Australia. We've come across it in Western Australia in that Rockingham region a few times. Because oh, I was going to say, I think I know the exact agent. But there's yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we he, don't need to talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but no, I remember he, 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 I went having a conversation. The conversation was he's the to, he's in the top top couple of agents for auctions in, in WA. And I was like, okay, how many? Yeah. But anyway, no, go on. Tell the story, yeah. Scott. And I, I love, no, I love, so we, we've been dealing with this uh, open negotiation platform. And for anyone that's not familiar with that platform, it's an online um, bidding system where it's fully disclosed. So you log in, you register, you make your offer, and there's a particular closing date. And in this instance, it was about, say, three weeks, you know, in terms of the closing date. So it's a long time to wait. It's like the worst auction process you can imagine because you've got to sit there and actually log in nonstop and you stress about where it's at. The client's stressing about where it's at because they can see everyone else bidding. In this particular one, there was, you know, well over 10 people that were registered to make offers, lots of offers coming through over the course of the last week. We've been looking for properties, um, you know, around different areas, different hotspotting areas that we've been searching with for this client. And we decided to run a offer through this process whilst we continue to look at other properties. So we're playing, that's the first lesson. We weren't just putting all of our eggs in one basket. We were playing multiple properties at the same time to see which ones would um, you know, produce the right outcome for us, the right price. When we put the offer uh, in to start the process, I had a conversation with the agent and they disclosed the price in terms of it was an offers over scenario. So it wasn't like a blind bidding process. So at least had some sort of benchmark as to where it was going to be. But the, Guide price was $150,000 below what we thought it was worth, which was circa 15%. So that was a long way below where we thought market value was when we did our own estimate. So second lesson is really understand the, you know, accurate market data, where price is going to sit, and then get an understanding of what your competition is going to be like as well to determine how hard you need to go at those properties and how hard it's going to be to replicate that asset. Are you going to, if you miss this one, is it another week, two weeks, two months until you can find another property like it? So quite a unique property, quite a lot of interest in it. We know it's in a really high growth area and high popular, high um, demand for owner occupiers and for investors in a, in, in a major city. So we called the agent, or I called the agent and I said to him, what buys it? which is my standard answer. It's a longer conversation than that, but it, in the essence, it's what buys it. The answer to that was don't know, running this process, join the queue. Um, we're not doing anything until uh, three weeks' time when the, when the closing date is. And I said, okay, well, what, what we want to do is we want to get involved. We see great value in this property well in excess of what your um, bottom of the guide price is. Um, however, we've got a second property that we're vested in here. We're about to make an offer on that property. Time's of the essence on that. It's the agent that's dictating terms on that other property in terms of time frame. Um, so this is a common one that we've talked about lots on the show before about using leverage of a second property. Doesn't always work. Don't always use this tactic, but it works perfectly in this situation to fast track a time frame that's out of our control. What we did at that point was really double down on that second property. We don't mention where it is other than the city. 
don't mention um, the price or the address because we don't want to give the agent any insight into what we're doing at the other end, whether it's real or whether it's fake is up to you. We genuinely were chasing other properties, but we didn't have the time pressure on it that I was um, using against the agent. And I yeah, basically... Can, 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 I of, yeah, can I stop you there? In that sort of, like, particularly if you're people buying in Perth, like, it, if you're only chasing one property, it's, it's going to be extremely hard. So I correct. think of an eight, yeah, I think you, you, it's unlikely that you're... Like, maybe, yeah, but anyway, go on, so... I think most of the time there is, you are looking at multiple properties, unless you're an emotional owner-occupier buying that one Correct. property during home. But yeah. 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 And that, that'd, be, that'd be very relevant for most of our investors. We're not, we're not throwing, you know, one dart, we're throwing two or three darts, but we're not also throwing five darts. We've, we've got a very select process to work through to find the right properties, but there's enough of those properties that we can um, run different strategies and see which one is going to work out the best in terms of best ROI. What's that? Strategies. I just, I, I kind of want to ask about that now. But if I ask about it now, maybe I'm sort of ruining some of the the, the sort of uh, well, ruining can, future future part we, of it. We, so let's... we can come back to that anyway. So anyway, we we went through this process and um, we used that leverage to to put some pressure on the agent in that situation and and effectively bring that offer process forward. So they counter offered to the original offer that we made, and they probably didn't counter offer to any other um, purchaser that was sitting in this queue. And as I said, there was other ten more than 10 other offers that had been made at that time when we started. So first of all, we got an idea of exactly where the seller was. We then basically threatened to walk. Without threatening to walk, we put all the pressure back on that agent, the listing agent, by saying, look, you know, we really love this. This is our preference. However, we're going to go chase the other property. And if yours is still available in a couple of weeks' time, if we've missed or we haven't found anything else that we want, then we may come back to you. And we're not going to change our price because our expectations on market value don't change. It's going to sit in the same spot and we just don't see value where you do. Um, after I hung up the phone on that call, within probably an hour, he called me back and said, oh, the, the owners have had a rethink about this. Um, they were sitting uh, about 200000 above the bottom end of the guide price. They then came back at about um, 20000 above where our offer was, which was a drop in price of over $100,000 in, wow. in one hour. Um, and they realized when, when, when you heard that sort of when you heard do you sort of say well could could you let, let's unpack that mr or mrs agent like can we talk about why they've decided or you don't even you just try do you try and get that information out of them or uh well i realized it was a divorce we had a situation where the husband wanted to sell at the price that we were offering the wife was um wanting to hang on for a higher price which is why they counted at a higher level they then came back to us with some terms that were really difficult they basically said well we'll sell at this price which is twenty thousand dollars more than what you've offered um which we were happy to pay that was well within the range it's still forty thousand less than what our market estimate was so we're buying it really well if it all goes ahead tomorrow um but the terms that they put on us were along the lines of well we're still going to run the process so if you come up to the price that we want um you need to get rid of uh, the building and pest inspection, you need to get rid of the finance clause, which we were happy to do anyway on the finance. We were, we were in a situation where we didn't need a clause. Um, so we went ahead and booked the, the building and pest, which we did first thing this morning within um, probably 15 hours of them telling us that we booked the building and pest and got rid of that clause to remove that condition. Oh, so and we so they, actually, they actually allowed you to do the pest and building though? Yeah, the they prior, wanted us to because they, they only wanted an un unconditional offer from us. So we did all those things and they got us into a position where we could sign the contracts. We signed the contract at the price they wanted, which we were happy to spend. And then they still said to us, well, you know, we're um, going to run the process and we're going to get everyone 24 hours that's in the system in open negotiation to now effectively beat your offer. So we had to 
get rid of all the you know the landmines in terms of the offer process and then put all the other buyers into a pressure cooker situation where they have to make a decision to step up substantially from where they were currently and they're coming off a really low agent quote price to where the value of the property sat so we reduced the time that we would have had to wait from you know, I think it was 20 days or 21 days down to about 48 hours. We brought forward that whole process. We brought forward the vendor's expectations on price and we put ourselves in a position where we've got the highest chance of, of closing that property out tomorrow. So that's a really interesting negotiation for us because I'd say, you know, there's not many people that have the confidence to sort of control that process to that degree. Um, and you've got to have um, complete confidence in... Uh, the story that you're telling and you've got to stick to it and back it up and the dialogue's got to be spot on and it's over a number of phone calls that you set those things up. You don't just do it on one phone call. You don't do it in a threatening way. You don't set yeah. deadlines on people um, that are unrealistic and put pressure on the seller because the agent's not going to help you in that situation as well. So a number of things like that that had to come into play before we could control that to our best outcome and then what happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. If someone steps up and beats our offer, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, you know, we can bid more, of course, but uh, the market will determine where the price is from there. Yeah, and and, and I think what you what you did, uh, what you've done from from our from our chats and from just sort of watching and and sort of being involved in in, in some deals is what you did there is you, you figured out well, could you is the price that you want to pay is that going to win it or is that going to get close? And if it is, then like you, you probably you probably have ten or fifteen conversations with agents and you figure out that they want. 50, 60, 80K more than what you're willing to pay. So you say, okay, cool. I appreciate you um, sort of saying that. Um, we're not going to be able to buy the price where the seller wants to sell. So you kind of, yeah. you, you move on to the next deal. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's that. the biggest, one of the biggest problems that I see buying property in Australia is the time lag that it takes that you waste as a purchaser. Yeah. If you're yeah. unsure, unconfident, um, you, or you get sucked in because you're inexperienced in terms of um, the agent dialogue, but you end up waiting for days and weeks uh, to how the process unravels and, and uh, shows itself in terms of where you might be to, you know, needing to be to buy it. What happens in that situation is you invite more competition into the property. You invite um, the vendors to change their mind, have sleepless nights. You invite the agent to encourage the vendors to change paths because they believe they can find someone else that's going to pay more for it. So you need to control that. You need to shorten the days on market. And it's not rushing. We've spoken about this a lot on the show, but it's, it's not rushing. But it's having that confidence to move through the buying process clinically and at, and at speed, at, at bullet pace. Um, because when you do that and you know what the steps are, so you're not leaving any er uh, room for error, you can control the time frame of it. And that will make a big difference to knock out your competition. So I know that today, when we got to that position where they've advertised where our offer is now, versus the closing time tomorrow that they've put on it, there's a lot of buyers that will just be freaked out, jumped up significantly more than what they were potentially expecting. They weren't they'll have, ready. They'll have, to, they'll have to think about it. They'll have to think about it for 48 hours and say, well, can we afford that much for a start? And, and then by, the, yeah. by that time, it's already sold. You've already picked yeah. it up. And it's because they don't. most buyers don't go into it at the start with a really firm idea of market value. So I see it all the time. Even our clients, when they come through with negotiations as a service, they'll come through and say to us, you know, I want to spend X on this property. And then you, we give them the background about what it's worth. And it takes them a, a few properties sometimes to miss or a few times to be rejected on price on that property before they realise you were right, it was worth more based on the comparables you looked at. But it's starting from that perspective of 
let's be genuine. Let's be real about what this property is worth. And then what I said to you before about how hard it is to replicate that asset. Uh, and then it's about making a fair offer. So this property that we're talking about through open negotiation, we knew what it was worth. We knew at the level that we'd offered was close enough because as you know, I have my strategy of offering between 95 to 95, 95 to 97% of, of um, my target price. And I do that for a reason. And this is a really good example why, because I came in at a level that was high enough to engage the agent, engage the seller, and it only needed a small closing step to get to a level where I had offer and acceptance. Um, if you started at, at you know, $50,000 less than that, the conversation would have been completely different. So you've got to be honest with yourself that this is the price and I know that's a fair price. Anything less than that, I'm just being cheeky. Like it's a, and it's probably going to come back to bite me in the ass because I'm either going to get a flat no or I'm going to get a wishy-washy answer from the, the agent. That's going to drag out the time. It gives my competition um, you know, breathing space to get their ducks lined up and then they're going to come back to, um, you know, breathe fire into the competition later on in the process yeah yeah well that's um that's 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 a great kind of intro that was that was, that was yeah that, i can sort of see so what what are those what are the key um we'll try and keep it sort of quick i have so many kind of questions i wanted so much content and so much of framework i had but that's okay i need to be okay just going with the flow but um Go with the so flow, what, what kind of what kind of key learnings and lessons did you have from from that process you sort of said there were a lot of those or some of those um well i think the first one for me is i don't like that method of selling from a seller i hate it it's i don't want why yeah. it's just annoying because then then it's like then you yeah like so i mean you were talking about this before but like so you don't that's your that's your learning lesson but you engage in it so what is it that got you just wanted to give it a crack and see how it went well i mean it's a great property and you don't always have um control over the over the method of sale that's used. So we're looking at things pre and off market. Um, and ideally we would knock out as much competition as possible and get to these opportunities first, but that's not realistic. Like that's no. a really great buzzword off market or pre-market. You hear lots of buyers agents use that and you hear lots of people um, hang on to that term. We have a strategy for finding those properties, but you know, 19 out of 20 of them are rubbish. They're either overpriced. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing them off market to see if they can sort of um, see if they can yeah. snag somebody who doesn't understand what value is. That's that's what I totally that's totally. What... Or you, and but you've got to go through the hard yards of um, you know burning all of those properties to find the diamonds, right? And there is diamonds. There are. Aren't there? It takes long, but it's the same as properties that are on the market. So my point is, you can't control the method of sale. You have to go for the right properties um, as and when they pop up. And you have to learn how these systems work because they exist. You've just explained to me, Jeff, as well, that you've dealt with this in Western Australia. So have we uh, in the course of doing business. And this one in particular is in a different state. Um, so it's going to come up more and more often. But my learning from it is, A, got to be open-minded to all these methods of sale. So understand the ins and outs of how they work and how to play that system to your, your benefit as best you can. It's, it's, it's obviously set up for the house to win. Um, the second thing is, you know, I don't believe that it's a great method personally for a vendor to sell a property. So having been an agent for 25 years myself and sitting in that seat, I just can't see how there's um, not a better way to engage multiple buyers and play them off against each other to get a much higher price. Um, I'm all for transparency on the buyer side, but transparency is not great, I don't think, on the selling side. Um, that ambiguity and that smoke and mirrors is often the difference between, you know, substantially um, varied, you know, buyer A and buyer B, you know, when you're closing a deal. So uh, that's just what you're dealing with. You've got to be aware of that. But those systems are going to be in play, I think, long term. And um, as we move towards that, you know, online process for that whole buying, you know, buying journey as this happens over the next decades, we're going to see more of it. And I think they'll evolve 
But at the moment, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that one personally. No, no, but yeah, great. Okay, let's let's get into the let's get into some. I, I want to sort of talk about before you even go into because we we went straight to the I wouldn't say main course, but we we got close to it. So <laughs> I want to talk about the entree. Like, what what sort of steps do you take? Because negotiation is an absolute vital part of the process, but. In, in five or 10 minutes, what are the kind of steps or considerations that people need to do before they even get to that sort of pick up the phone, talking to the agent? Um, or what, what are some of the things you, you sort of do and, and suggest people do? Well, I mean, everyone's going to tell you the same thing, which is get finance ready. And of course, that's absolutely crucial to understand what your buying parameters are and, and have confidence that can actually act. Otherwise, it's a waste of your time and a waste of everyone else's time involved in that journey. So once you've done that, and we'll just establish that everyone's going to do that before they start. Um, for me, it's, it's building a deep domain experience around your local market. So it's understanding the deal flow, you know, days on market for properties, um, the flow of new listings, and then drilling down specifically into what asset type you want to buy and what that looks like. What are your key, absolute um, key requirements? What are your nice-to-haves? And then being able to build uh, from that a pre- and off-market strategy by building rapport with the local agents. So I think if you can understand what's happening in the market, understanding how often these assets present themselves, know what your budget and what your you know, timing is, um, and then go about constructing a strategy of trying to find these properties at a much earlier stage is crucial to, to buying. Yeah. Um, and that's all before the negotiation process. So what you want to be able to do, I think, is, is get to the front of the queue on these properties. So A, you see more of them. B, you knock out more of your buyer competition. And C, most importantly, you get to meet motivated sellers. Now, they might be people that are bored already, people that have got bad tenants, the property's presented poorly, um, people that are nervous sellers. There's lots of reasons why someone will sell pre and off market. Um, and that's a big, it's a big talking point for us when I say that to, to potential purchasers with us. Like, we have a strategy to find pre and off market listings and people will say, well, that's BS. Anyone can do that. I'm like, well, no, it's not BS. There's a real you know, strategy to finding these properties. And they're like, well, what's the benefit? Like, you know, we're watching real estate and domain. We're doing enough. I'm like, no, it's not enough. And this is why, because X amount of percentage properties sell at that early stage before anyone else sees them. And, and, and uh, I'll sort of talk to, I'll, I'll, sh I'll say an example, particularly in, in the Rockingham. I, I mean, I'm sure it happens around the country, but particularly in that sort of pocket, what I've seen with, with, with Joe and has come up, if, if you can actually have those conversations with, with agents and you know the sort of people who sell a lot of properties in the area, you can you can sort of then say they'll they'll actually well this this one particular agent with Joe they wouldn't pick up the phone um, until they once they real once they once they sort of once they had that conversation and and they found out that he was a buyer's agent they're like oh they, there is pricked up and they're like oh, okay that's mm. interesting like, and all of a sudden now they know that you're actually you're not a tire kicker so they'll all of a sudden now this this agent will pick up the phone pretty much every time you call them whereas they just they sell so many properties they don't have the time to. Um, so, and, and once you can establish and sort of find out about those listings that are coming up, if that's something that you can sort of find out that it ticks your boxes, you can say, hey, look, Mr. or Mrs. Agent, I, I really love that property. Let's, I want to get send somebody out to that even before it hits the market. As in, it, they'll come, it'll come up in two or three days. But if it's really fantastic and priced well, you can get, you can get your inspector or you can go out there yourself personally and go, oh, look, let's, and it'll hit the market, but you already say, look, okay, let's, let's, we're going to come in a really strong offer. We're going to buy that property. And then that's how, like, I don't know if you're seeing this, but what's happening is it comes on the market and in, and you refresh two hours later and it's already under offer. 
And you just wonder, yeah. well, how the heck is how the heck is that happening? Like, you can't. Who's inspecting these properties? And and the way that's well, happening that, is, yeah. I mean, you use Rockingham as an example, and that's a really, really good example in Australia at the moment, and it has been for the last six months plus. Is that yeah. there's been lots of publicly, um, you know, disclosed uh, hotspot datas that you see across the media. And a lot of those are pointing in the direction of Rockingham and they just keep coming up on, on everyone's sort of hotspotting list. Did you, and did you hear the, uh, did you listen to the podcast the other day, uh, Elephant in the Room with PK? Did you hear that one? No, only the very have, have, start of it, but I haven't listened to the rest of it. Have a, have a, yeah, there's, uh, there's, a, there's some interesting, there's some spirited discussion about Rockingham versus, mm. uh, versus, versus Subiaco. Anyway. Okay. Because I want well, to give PK, yeah. No, all good. But just gen- generally speaking, um, you know, that's been on the hotspotting data for years, right? So people have been talking about this for, for, for many years. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that are going in late to this are just paying huge prices. And yeah, there's just scary. this scary like you- momentum. And to your point, agents are just selling things uh, instantly, like within an hour or two of it going on the market, even if it is going on the market at all. Um, and the agents are really lazy. There might as well just be a bucket at the door or a digital bucket at the door for you to throw your offers at because it literally just ends up being like one of 20 or one of 40 offers. It was like Logan two years ago when we went through that boom in, in southeast Queensland as well that, you know, I remember sharing with you guys on this page here that I was I made an offer and I was number 16 in a queue of 53 people that had made contract offers on the same day. They had like a bit, you know, a system. Imagine, imagine being an agent when that sort of. I just, I just say, well, why are you, why are you actually writing up all those offers? You just like you're wasting the. Why is the agent? Why does the agent do that? Well, I think there's a lot of inexperienced agents, right? And they're just yeah. they're putting it at a price where they know it's going to fly out the door, and they perceive yeah. that to be great business if there's you know huge amounts of people competing for it, rather than pricing it correctly and working with specific buyers to max them out and get yeah. the highest result they can for their vendor. And it's a easy, you know, sale for them. Like they're selling a five hundred thousand dollar house at two and a half percent or two percent, um, sometimes three percent in Queensland, for example, and they're selling them in an hour. So the battle is to get the listings, not to get the sale for those guys. So it is quite lazy. That's a bugbear for a different conversation in terms of dealing with those agents in a lot of the regional areas. But um, it's true, and I mean, I've got a vested interest here, so I should disclose that in terms of owning a, a buyer's agency, Hello House, but. Um, I do believe what you just said is is true. That and and to be honest, individual buyers can do this as well. So it's not just um, driving traffic to use a buyer's agent. Individual buyers can achieve the same outcome in this in this uh, element of the deal. Um, if you put your hand up, if you explain um, that you're you know you're ready, you're active, you're organised, you've got your finance. If you're a high level communicator, if you're very responsive when you're required to be, you do exactly what you say when the agent asks you to do it. Um, and you act with good faith, and that you potentially talk to them about giving the management back to them, which is what they you know, really want to talk to buyers agents about building a rent roll on the back of that, um, then you've got an opportunity of being in those conversations as well. But most buyers just don't get that. They play this game. I sat there for 25 years as the agent of, I don't want to disclose too much to the agent. I need a bit of time. I'm not completely sure. I need time to do my research. And you don't have the time. It's sold in an hour. And the agents aren't going to ring you back because they've got other people that are making decisions and they make those decisions really quickly and they make them confidently and they're potentially going to give them the management back. So, you know, that's where the buyer's agents or professional buyers like us uh, are at a distinct advantage um, because we keep getting those opportunities. And as I say, you can do it as a private buyer, but you need to up your game in terms of the level of communication and the work you do because we're working on this six days a week.
yeah, and building. Yeah, and, and I think um, speaking of that, like I mean, I we even sort of previous in a previous kind of life, pre, um, one of the mistakes you, I kind of make is if you if you actually go out and do a an open home with or pre pre market or whatever with a with an agent, you're only one of a couple. Like actually just take the time, even if, even if it's a text, actually say, hey, look, really appreciate checking this out. Um, I, well, it's not going to be for us. Love the property. It's really good um, for X reason. Because I think that I, I, I sort of under I underestimated that myself, like, because you're actually, it's, that's kind of soils, like sours a relationship a little bit because I, I'd have a conversation with that same sort of agent after and they said, oh, yeah, like it would have been nice if you'd let me know. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, that's a really good point. So uh, even sort yeah. of the people sort of done, yeah, because that's and the I'm relationship. Sure people- I'm sure people realize this, but just in case you don't realize it, I'm not going to kind of disclose a huge industry secret here. But personally, me, and I'm sure this is true for Jeff and lots of other people that are in the industry, I'm in private WhatsApp groups with many of the property managers, BDMs across the country and uh, business owners like principals or lead sales agents. They'll put to me every week or sometimes every day off-market opportunities or bulk off-market opportunities. And it'll be along the lines of, Scott, you've got a shot at this, but it's going on the market on Saturday or Friday or whatever, but you've got a shot at it. If you're not doing that, you're at a distinct disadvantage, right? Like if you can't get to those properties first, um, then the likes of Hello House or other businesses are going to pick those properties off off, um, before you. So when you're seeing them on domain and real estate, you're then queuing up with emotional end users or inexperienced investors who are going to potentially overpay for it and that's going to push the value of of the asset up. And or or an owner occupier if it's a if it's a nice property they'll sort yeah. of they'll, you know, they'll use it. Yeah. yeah yeah and that's what, the same problem gonna, with you would have seen say, with, oh with, you go. Um, with, with your process with those kind of off off markets because some of them they they literally they they send you the walkthrough and then you've kind of got to act just on the walkthrough as in the, the agent have, have you sort of found a way for those sort of viewers at home or, and have you found a way to then get an inspection or, or do you just make an offer based on the walkthrough? Like how do you, how do you encounter that? Because it's going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. So it depends. We ask a lot of questions about how to structure the deal and, and we'll try to make that work for us. So it might be conditional upon a physical inspection and we'll make the offer. And if they accept that, then we've got an opportunity of going through there and we might send something Within 24 hours or something, do you, how long yeah, do you normally- send someone through with the building and pest inspection. So we do those two ah, things yeah, 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 in yeah. one go. Um, yeah. We will get an independent second uh, rental estimate as well. So we've got an independent person that goes through there. They'll do a video tour for us. Most of the spots, um, the sort of main hotspotting areas that we're buying in across the country, we've got someone physical um, on the ground that will pay to, to inspect that that's independent. Um, so then we'll get a written review of the property and we can make a decision from that. So what we're looking for is a, a visual cue of the condition of the home, um, an understanding of the street, the noise, you know, exactly where it is, power lines, blah, 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 um, which you, you you just can't tell from looking at Google Maps, uh, um, you know, or even, uh, you know, even with a property manager, sometimes you need someone that's independent that and understands, you know, looking at the floor plans and how it all works together. And then we'll make a buying decision from there. But the, yeah, it's, it's greatly dependent on the time that you have and, um, you know, how well... And also the, the agent probably as well. Yeah, how well the agents marketed the property. Some of them have got great videos, great floor plans, really good quality photos. Others are just absolutely dreadful. Like I'm trying to buy a property at the moment that's got no internal photos. Um, and, you know, we, 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 our offer was, well, we'll offer you the price subject to a physical inspection and subject to us um, doing a video walkthrough tour with our independent person. 
So we, yeah. we you know, we'll buy it. So we lock it out. We lock everyone else out of the market if you meet those terms. And the agent was like, sure. Like, you know, it needs work inside. So I'm not really going to take any photos of it. The owners don't want to spend any money. It's regional property. My client is looking for that type of property. So that suits them. Mm-hmm. So if those two, two things match up, then great. But, you know, if it was an owner occupied, sorry, if it was an investor that was looking for a set and forget property that didn't require any work, clearly that's not going to be a property of interest to them if they can't get a really good visual read on the condition of the home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. It's in, yeah, because I think one one key question is it, it, some some sort of um, buyers might not sort of ask is, and even is is underestimated is how how do you how are you going to run the process and and then sort of understanding like and when I say that is like how are you going to run like are you accepting offers prior like can we buy it today because if if the agent says no you can't buy it today we're going to run it to the open then automatically you sort of then you, I mean, you could probably circumnavigate that. You could say that you could then you could introduce the other property that you are looking at, and you could potentially still buy it. But yeah. you kind of know that you're pushing it up 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 the hill, and you sort of know where you stand. Whereas, if and and if they sort of say, well, um, yeah, the process is we're going to close it straight after the open because the the challenge, even even sort of the way we sort of um, sort of seen things like you've had an agent will tell you that they're going to close it on Monday morning and and you um, Joe's called them up Sunday sort of morning and they've already sold it and you're like oh yeah. okay well, and it, and it's and it's even being sort of paranoid and sort of saying or understanding and, and controlling and not controlling but um, under like keeping on them and even if it's just a quick text to say hey look how's it looking are you, are you still going to close it Monday. And, and agents love text anyway. I don't know about you, but they, they tend to love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of our negotiation, we've talked about it on the show before, is via SMS. Like, and I deliberately yeah. use SMS in certain instances with offers because um, I get an instant cut through and response from the agents rather than an email or a phone call where they've got time to think about their response and to craft yeah. out a, you know, a sheeple response that, um, you know, makes you join the queue with everybody else on the next Saturday open for inspection. So SMS, I find, <laughs> is a really good way to cut through it. Yeah, it's just amazing the kind of information that you, that you are able to get from, yeah. But Okay, so we're, we're going to talk through the negotiation process now. We've cut through, so you've established your... You've established- Can I say one thing just to finish what you had just said? Because I think you made a good point there that's worth unpacking is that, you know, you've got to ask the agent those key questions to understand how they're going to run the process. But you've also got to realise that it's a numbers game. So, you know, you've got to be prepared to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Because in some instances, like what you've just mentioned... You can't win. They're going to, you know, the agent's smart enough to know that there's multiple people interested in the home. They're going to run that process. And there's no point, you know, wasting a week or, you know, your energy going to contract, doing a building and pest when you know it's just going to get blown out. Now, if you are smart enough to put an offer on the table or a verbal offer on the table to plant that seed and just kind of, you know, I call it fishing, you know, you just throw the bait out there and you, you know, see if the agent bites on it a little bit and, and it's, you know, it's not going to buy it, but it's going to be close enough to start that conversation. If you do that, you'll get a very quick sense of whether or not it's worth spending the money to go and the time to go any further than that. If they've got no interest, if they absolutely, you know, cold, hard, blow it out and say, you know, nah, we're opening it on Saturday or no, nah, that's not going to buy it. You know, there's no interest in selling at that price. Either they've got tons of other people that are interested at a higher level or they've even potentially the got higher sell offers. Or, yeah, or the seller's not under control or the seller's expectations are far beyond that. So be smart about it. Ask the question. Don't show all your cards, but be prepared to fold and walk because there's yeah. a lot, there's always another property. You have to have the confidence to be able to do that. 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that um, for when you, when you, when you're having like the first sort of hundred, 200, whatever conversations it is with agents, you'll, you'll kind of think that you'll kind of think that you are in, in it with, for a shot when, when in reality, there are, there are, there are telltale signs in the conversation that, that say that there's no, that's going to go for 50 K than what, what you're willing to pay for it. And, and one, one of those, because sometimes agents won't tell you what, it, like they say, what, what buyers no sale, the winning, the winning offer. It's like okay, cool. That's 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 great. Like it's, it's pretty helpful. But okay, so not, you're not going to tell me the exact number, but what's what's a comp- comparable sale? One that you've sold recently, and they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I've sold one down the street for for five forty or whatever it is, or six hundred. You're like, okay, well, if you're if you're offer if you if you're thinking you buy it for five twenty, I think that's a bit of a telltale that you're probably not going to buy it at five twenty. Yeah, and it comes back to what we discussed up front here, right? Product knowledge. You've got to understand the market. You need to understand what the comparable sales are. And when you do know the market and you're tracking it and you're physically inspecting these properties, you don't really need to ask that question, what's the best comp? You know it. So you know I, I, that it's, it's, fun to, it's fun to ask you just to see if the agent kind of... Oh, I just, totally. I just, that's, yeah. that's, that just might be a good way to build rapport and things with the agent yeah, yeah. to get them talking and, and get into conversation. But you, you sh- this is the key to being a really good buyer in your local market. You should know what these sales are before you start trying to spend $500,000 of your money or $2 million of your money. Like There's too many people that walk in. Like I've, I've had over the years, I've had so many people say, well, oh, you know, I... I, I I, I bought, it only took me seven days or nine days to buy. I'm like, okay, great. Well, how many properties did you see? Oh, two. And then I found a cracker and I out-negotiated the agent. I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, how do you know what else is out there? <laughs> if you saw two properties or five properties or whatever, like I, I've been coaching clients for the whole time I've been in, in the game to see if you can physically inspect 50 properties in the flesh before you make a buying decision. Now that sounds ridiculous, but if you think about it, if you're in a normal marketplace, like a capital city or a pretty big regional city, there's tons of property that come on the market every week, every month. Mm. If you go and see three or four every Saturday, they might not be perfectly what you're looking for, but you'll gauge what a three bed house sells for, what a four bed house sells for, and what this part of the suburb sells best for, and what is really popular with certain buyers because you'll go to auctions, you'll see prices being set in real time, you'll understand the buyer depth by seeing how many people are bidding, um, and you'll get an idea of you know days on market about which properties get snapped up fast. When you do that, you're incredibly educated. You see properties in the flesh because the agents are going to only show you the best images on their video and on their highlight reel. So looking back on realestate.com in sold properties and even in the current listings that you haven't physically seen is not doing you, you know yourself justice. If you're going to go spend your hard-earned money do it right, do the legwork, or get someone else to do it for you. Yeah, yeah. And interesting. Sorry, um, because, no, no, that's all right. Um, I mean, one. Um, I mean, you you might not necessarily you might have a you might uh, not see this approach as being uh, the greatest, and I, I don't necessarily hundred percent agree. But uh, myself, but I, I saw that there was an opportunity to shortcut that looking at uh, over multiple weekends. That in looking a couple of years ago, I sort of saw that there were variation. They were probably selling for like markedly different prices, but they were free by ones or they were free by twos. And I, and so I literally just I, I couldn't I could have spent the, the time and effort, but I I chatted was chatting to one of the agents in the area, and he he based I, I said he sold quite a lot of properties, and I said, well, okay, well, can you can you he just wasn't. He was kind of keen to have a conversation, and and he, and he basically said, "Well, the reason they're selling is because of the if you if you look if you look at it, it's because of the size of the properties and the features." I'm like, "Ah, oh, that actually makes sense," and and that's that's the kind of thing we went. And then you can sort of start to say, and that's how you build your um your product knowledge, uh, or you mm. can you can go and inspect them yourself. But 
I kind of find yeah. that I found that I'm like, oh, it, it all makes sense now. And 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 then the agents like, oh, this person. I mean, if I talk to if you talk to the agent again, they kind of probably realize you're a bit of a rookie. But um, so you, yeah. What but if you you can go to that level of um, research, and then you can go to the level of like I had clients when I was uh, an agent that would come to me with a spreadsheet of everything broken down per square meter of what things are selling for in, in Surrey Hills. or how, how did you respond to those agents, uh, those clients, any of those potential buyers? Well, I mean, they're a special breed because clearly they're going to that level of detail. They're very anal. But what is really difficult to look at a spreadsheet is um, scarcity factor, like, you know, trying to work out how, how hard they are to replicate those properties. So, if you go in, if you find your dream property that ticks all those boxes and you say, okay, well, it's only worth 16,000 a square meter, um, but there's other people that are going to pay 16,500 per square meter, then you lose, right? And you lose. So you've got to really. And then, and then you wait another three months to get the next one that Correct. comes up. And then, and then it's now selling for 16,800 per square meter. Correct. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to, you know, you have all your data, you have really good product knowledge, but you've also got to work out. Yeah, if I really love this property, how hard is it going to be to replicate that? And am I prepared to pay a small premium, whatever it may be, um, to ensure that we, you know, we don't miss that opportunity and we secure it yes. early and we make a fair offer to do that rather than try and lowball it on the sixteen thousand square meter on the basis of we know we're going to miss out or we end up missing out, which is just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that lowball question, and we will get to that because I, w- I want to hear kind of. Yeah. I, I, I will spend a good five minutes on that. But there's there's been some amazing, really good questions come through, so keep them coming through. But I, I want to bring this one up now because I think it's worthwhile. It sort of sure. fits in quite nicely. So Facebook user, I'll, I'll find out who it is. But Scott, which vendors are hard to negotiate with, lower end or higher end? So when you say hot, lower end or higher end, Facebook user, are you talking about the sort of three or four hundred k versus the two or three million dollars? Is that what lower end versus higher end means? I imagine. But um, what do you what do you think well, about that? Well, generally speaking, I don't think it makes um, any difference. Like the, it's just as easy uh, when the vendors are realistic at either end of that Jordan. scale. Jordan Dijon. What's that? Jordan Dijon, we we got royalty on the on the on the show. Oh yeah, that. hey Jordy, um, yes, and it's Jordan. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it makes a, a big difference to be honest. At, at either end, um, I find that the, the the ones that are difficult have been the ones that have been pumped up by the agent in terms of overpricing and overcooking it to win the listing. And there's a lot of that that goes on all the time. So often, when it is on the market, it takes a couple of weeks for the agent to then condition the vendor back to where the market is or the market to condition the, the vendor. Um, and then it puts you in a position where you can actually buy it in, say, week three or four of the campaign rather than up front. But it depends where. You're talking about these regional areas. Most of them are sold within the first 24 hours or 48 hours if they're decent assets. In Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, it can take a lot longer than that as people take their time in decision-making unless it's an absolute red-hot deal that, that someone wants that fits all the criteria. That might sell faster than that. Um, probably the, the hardest vendors to negotiate with to answer that differently geordie is private sellers and it's because most the of sale them, by owners you mean sale by owner because most of them um they're also the most fun for me to negotiate against um because when you get one that doesn't know what they're doing which is probably at least 50 percent of the time the negotiation's really easy and you can save tons of money um and and you know they leave heaps of money on the table uh and they're naive about the process uh, but it's the other 50% of them are completely ignorant of market value. They believe um, and they're arrogant about what their home is worth. They've chosen not to use an agent because they believe um, that their shit doesn't stink and, you know, that they can save the $10,000 agent fee and, and outperform um, someone that does it professionally. So 
those ones are difficult because you, you pretty quickly work out that, um, you know, un unless anything's going to change their end in terms of their motivation, then there's no deal to be done here. And those clients often sit there for a reason for a long time. Um, and a lot of the agents won't touch those listings because um, they know the owners are just going to be hard work, right? Like they're going to put lots of time and effort into it. And the owners are just going to keep turning those offers away that they present. Yeah. So private seller, I think is the hardest one out of those. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. This uh, the questions have fallen through now. Jeez. Okay. I'll, I'll we'll go to a couple of these, and I, I want to I want you to unpack all the the process of buying and negotiating because I, I we sort of talk about the buying, but I want to I want to hear your your kind of get get some secret uh, secret sauce out of you. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but I reckon I could go a bit deeper. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Well, so, I mean, you, do you want me to answer some of the questions that are coming through? Yeah, let's let's, 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 to let's go to some of these. Which part of the negotiation? All right. Well, what sort what, of things? What, what sort of things you say puts agents off? Ooh. Um, Jen. Indecision is is probably one of the biggest things as an ex-agent that if you see a buyer that is unsure or can't make a decision, it's an instant turnoff uh, and they'll ditch you and focus on people that they believe are going to be dollar productive for their time. So I think indecision is one of the key things that's going to put an agent what? off. Um, what, do, what, does indecision, what does indecision look like? Is it is it sort of somebody who says, oh, I'm going to come to you with an offer after I chat to my broker? Is that kind of what indecision? They can't actually put a, put their best foot forward straight away, is that what? Yeah, people that don't know their buying capacity and can't pull the trigger, people that don't understand the buying process, so you have to coach them from start to finish. It's just time-consuming and they're probably never going to do anything anyway. Um, people that say they're going to make an offer and don't like the amount of times on a Saturday open for inspection, um, people would walk through and just collect contracts. So they'd come through when we used to print them off in the old days and they'd say, yeah, I'll have a contract for this one. You'd never hear from them again, ever. They just completely disappear. So what's the why, point? Why, of, would, uh, why would somebody do that? Well, it's okay. just constant with every single Saturday of my whole career for 25 years, every single Saturday at multiple different homes, people would walk through, take a contract and I'd never see them in my life ever again. They'd never return a phone call and they'd just never turn up to any other open and they'd just disappear off the face of the earth. So it happened every single Saturday. So it's, I don't know why people do it. Humans are strange characters. Um, but that type of thing is just if, if obviously you turn up and you do that to my open on a Saturday and I don't hear from you for two or three weeks or you don't give me any feedback, um, that's a crucial one for me that's, that's going to be a problem that's going to put me off. We've, we've talked about this before. One of the biggest mistakes that buyers make is not responding to agents' phone calls and giving them really good detailed feedback. If you go through an open for inspection or a private inspection and you go to the time of answering the agent's call or you call the agent and say, as Jeff said before, thank you for that opportunity. Thanks for showing me through. Really appreciate you thinking of me. It's not the right property. Um, it's really close to what we're looking for. But what we really do need a proper third bedroom rather than that study, or we really need a car space rather than being on the street. It's so close. You've done a great job in terms of that. Now you've got a better idea of what I'm looking for. I'd love to stay in touch and I look forward to your next opportunity that you put through. And just by the way, it's not for me. I'm not the buyer for this property for the reasons that I just disclosed. However, I think it's probably going to sit around 950, That's my feedback for you. They need that, okay? The agent to do their job needs your feedback. If you give them the feedback, they can do their job. They're going to service you more. So just be smart about it. Go out of your way for 30 seconds, give them that feedback, make it thoughtful, and that's going to go a long way for you to be able to, you know, get granted another opportunity. Yeah, I think that's um, that's really critical. A, a lot of people see the agent versus the the buyer um, relationship as as adversarial, um, mm. which which is 
I mean, I, I, I'm, I sort of fall, fell into that camp a couple of years ago and you sort of like an agent asks you, are you finance for I'm like, oh, well, that's, I mean, that's for me to, I used to kind of get a bit defensive that it's like, well, no, we'll just say, yeah, yeah, of course we're good uh, finance ready to go. Like, and, and that's kind of showing that you're decisive, you're ready to, to buy it and to make, to make it happen. So it's just interesting to sort of, and, and it, as you sort of have the more of those conversations, if you're. I don't know if you've seen this with when you're a selling agent. If if somebody's super adversarial, they might buy the property one out of one in a hundred. So it's not saying they can't buy a property, but how did you sort of find those adversarial sort of potential buyers? Yeah, I mean it's hard to deal with as an agent. And and you know if you're telling an agent, uh, well if you can't answer the agent when they ask you specific questions, that's a problem. But if you're telling agents information that's not true. It is also a problem because it's going to come push to shove at some point in that um, negotiation process. That if you're negotiating on a property, it gets to the eleventh hour. They put a gun to your head and say, "You've got to pay X, otherwise, you, you know, we're selling to uh, the next buyer." And you say, "Oh, you know, I'm still waiting on my finance to come through." I'm like, "What a complete utter waste of time!" Like you've led me down this garden path. Goodbye. You know, you're dead to me. Basically, I'm, I'm not going to call you again. Um, so you, you've got to be really clever about how you deal with agents. And I think it's just out of just be respectful. Like, you know, if, 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 rather than tell them porcupies, give them honest feedback, be straight up about it um, because it's going to get you, edge you closer to them finding a property for you. So use them as a tool, use them as a buyer's agent if you're going to go it alone and let the agents do the work for you and trying to find you the right property and match you up. Yeah, and, and uh, at the end of the day, agents are people. Uh, they, they are human beings. Like They're not robots yet. I mean, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, it might not be too far away. But look, one of the other key questions that comes up at this point, this very moment when you talk about being honest with agents is do I tell the agent the, the budget that I've got? Uh, you know, because most buyers want to keep that, like you, Jeff, said before, you know, this my business or, you know, oh, I, you know, I can spend up to, I've got no budget kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, that's bullshit. Everyone's got a budget. Like, otherwise, you wouldn't be in front of me. You'd, you'd own the whole suburb. Um, you know, what do you really want to spend? I would um, really tell people to go to great lengths to be really honest with the price range that you tell agents so that you get on the right yeah. database. They send you the correct properties that meet your parameters. Yeah. The skill is taking the conversation away from your budget and I see value. value. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to change. The conversation's got to go from budget to value. You don't need to worry about that until you find the right property and you're in a negotiation. But yeah. up until that point, be honest with agents about what you've got to spend because there's no... Um, point you're wasting time being shown properties that are a hundred thousand dollars below or above what you're going to spend because it's just it's going to be um, dead hours to you so you might as well just look for the right homes and be upfront with them and then change the conversation to value when you get into the negotiation sport yeah because because i mean i i, I mean I, I i wouldn't say agents don't do this but i, I think it's unlikely that, that an agent kind of remembers the i mean really fantastic agents probably will so they they then they're not they're speaking to sort of ten to twenty to hundred people a week. So for them to remember that you've actually said that that's your budget is well, it's they don't. They yeah. don't. Like a good yeah. agents can speak to two hundred people on a Saturday, yeah. Yeah. every Saturday. Yeah, they yeah. don't. And then they're um, not going to they're not going to be like, oh, you know that that Jeff Miles that Scott Agate told me that his budget was was a million dollars. This this property should sell for nine hundred. I'm going to make sure I get a million dollars out of Scott. It's like, well, I mean, you, you sort of, yeah. I mean, just because he but told me it was a million dollars. A good agent will have all those things in their notes. So in my, um, um, you and I have spoken about this before, but 
in, and this is going back eight years ago, so I'm sure it's advanced since then since I've left the industry and sold out of my businesses, but um, I would have a spreadsheet with every buyer's details on it that have come through a property or inquired on it. I would colour code them to the level of interest they've got, whether they had finance approval, and I would you know, have whether they had a contract, what their budget is, what their feedback specifically was, the dates that I've spoken to them, and every day I would send that to my vendor updated. So I, you know, if, if Jeff came through on day one, and day 21, you rang back and said, interested, you're interested, and I'd, uh, I'd have a chat with you about price, and you ring me up and say, mate, you know, I know you're quoting over 900, but I only see, you know, I only want to pay 900 for it. I'll say, okay, great. Well, you know, is that where you think the value sits? And you'll go, um, yeah, yeah, that's where I'll sit the value sits. But I'll know that you've told me, or oh, I've only got a budget of 900,000, or the other way around. And I'll know, okay, well, I can push you further because I know you've got a budget higher than that. So then that's when you've actually got to have a strategy to negotiate. You've got to be a good negotiator because the agent's mm-hmm. going to have that information and a good agent's going to use that against you. And, yeah, and, they're, and they're not employed to help you, they're employed to help the seller. Yeah, of course. And in that circumstance, I think we have talked about this, but it's good for the, because our group has grown. So we're nearly at, we're nearly at 45,000. So for those people that are yeah, tuning into Scott for the first time and are not going to watch the YouTube, they should watch the YouTube that Scott has done and on our channel. Um, but how, how would you kind of, if the agent knows your budget is a million or if they've, you've told them that and, and you want to buy it for 900, what sort of, I mean, I've got an idea of how you do it, but what, what would your strategy, you've bought hundreds and thousands of more properties than me. So what, um, what would your strategy be? So if the property is worth a million and you want to pay 900000 is that the example? Well, no, no. So if your budget is a million and, you, and the agent has that, that secret spreadsheet in the, in the little back pocket, imagine your back pocket, they're going to pull it out and say, yep. oh, I, I know that I can potentially get a bit more, but you see value at nine hundred. dollars How do you handle that conversation? So I do exactly what we just said before, which is I'd switch the conversation from budget to value. And what I might say up front in the very first conversation to get rid of the elephant in the room is like, Jeff, um, I'm really interested in buying 12 Smith Street. As you know, we've got a million dollar budget. Um, Of course, we could actually probably spend 1.2. We just don't want to spend it on this house. We see value at 875 to 900,000 for these reasons based on this selling of that. We were the underbidders on this property that sold for X. Um, um, we're in a position where we can sign a contract unconditionally this afternoon, you know, whatever the things are, we want to move on this really quickly. Um, and if you need to, you could introduce competition at that point as well, whatever that the property might, down. Might structure it that way, depending on, on, on how long the property has been on the market and what the vendor's motivation is. But I'd start by getting rid of that issue in the very first conversation with them because they can never come back to that. They can't come back and say, you know, Oh, but you've got a million, you, you need to pay more. It's like, yeah, but, for a million dollars, I could buy a much better property, 10% better. Exactly, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, and it's irrelevant because I could probably spend one too and I just don't want to. Like, this is, we yeah. really love this house. It's our preference, but the value of this house sits at this level for us. So, you know, is that, is, is that, that, that going to get it done? Otherwise, we're wasting, I'm wasting my time and that's okay. Correct. And there's a question here as well. It says, I've, I've seen that years ago, but the agent would send me properties above my limit. Well, that is kind of the same thing. Like, I would just walk into those properties or talk to that agent and say, well, you know, my limit is X. You're sending me those wrong properties. Send me the right properties. They're just trying to flog you anything because they're a shit agent. So they're just trying to send you every listing they've got to try and get you to bite on anything. So I would just get hold of that agent and say, I really want to build rapport with you and build an ongoing relationship, but my budget isn't those properties. So don't just spam me those properties. Have a think about what we're looking for. Can I come in and have a coffee with you, or should we come and have? You know, can I have a chat with you on Saturday at the open for inspection? And I'll they're give probably you a the agents you want to. They're probably agents you really want to talk to because if they're if they're not actually kind of that the one the, the one time they send you one that isn't your budget, you can sort of 
you could potentially pick up a pick up a bit of a steal a, a yeah. less than yeah. I've I found as well that if you're a buyer, sometimes it's great to work in with a second agent or a second tier agent or a younger agent in the office and say, this is specifically what you're looking for. They've got the time to speak to you. They don't have any other buyers they're working with. They don't have any listings that they're managing. They're really, they're really friendly as well. They're just yeah, well, because they're just they're not they're not um, disgruntled and burnt by the industry like me after 25 years. So grumpy and old with grey hair. <laughs> Um, so they'll, they'll probably, um, you know, have the time for you to make the effort. So, you know, if you find, seek out those people in an office and say, okay, great. Well, you know, Christine, I'm this, I'd love to spend some time explaining to you what I want. Now, Christine, go and find that for me. Like, you know, go and work your database, go and find the, the you know, within your office, um, who else in the team has got one of those listings off market, go and find it with my competitors. When I was a younger agent, I made my business by, you know, basically having a Rolodex of people and all of their exact needs, and then I would just match those properties. So I would just go and cherry pick all those listings with the best buyers. So the buyers that told me they were ready, the buyers that had shown me that interest in buying a property, I would just over-service them, cherry pick the property that fit, and just match them up. And I made a lot of money doing that as a real estate agent, and that built me a database of really you know, happy customers who had had that level of service. So find those people that can give you that time um, and utilize their skills. Yeah, um, probably going off, off track there a little bit. Sorry. No, no, I was. I, I had had a had a good question, but I I've forgotten it. It must have been a good question. I think we should throw to the people are just loving the question. So I I just get if if Joe was here, he'd stop me from doing this. So it's a good thing that. But there's just so many people are asking heap a whole heap of really interesting kind of questions, and that's. But I think after this, we'll 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 have to. Sh- we might even yeah we'll, we'll get into the your kind of process as to how you sort of start like let's just say you found a property so we're going to talk to that but before we do that we need to as Joe says pay the bills so I'm going to go and grab <laughs> myself another another beverage as well okay and, and so if I'm not back in time I'm sorry people there's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent it's a scary thought but it is a skill that can be taught do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up scott agate the founder and expert property negotiator at hello house has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. We're back. Here we go. We are. So Should we answer some of these questions then and just do a quick scatter and, you know, quick fire and answer some of those? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's let's do it. I, I don't know how quick some of these questions end up being, but let's. Um, well, you can start from the start from the top of how how do you deal with arrogant and defensive agents, um, and we can work our way down from that pretty quickly. I think on that one, um, it's a common one that I have to come up against. And I'm sure lots of you guys listening at home have to deal with arrogant and defensive agents. All you can do is rely on your research of what a property is worth and be polite and be a nice human and do things on your terms and walk away when you're unhappy. So if you feel like you're getting stuffed around and it's not going to be on the price level that you're comfortable with, then I wouldn't spend any more time on that property and I'd walk away. I'd still give that agent good feedback and continue to build rapport with them because sometimes it's a facade. They believe that that's the best way to, to act until you're in there in a circle and you'll get opportunities or they'll give you more information. So I think, yeah, try and try and give them really good feedback and, and be consistent with that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's um, particularly, it must be, it's got to be really challenging being an agent and, and um, sort of dealing with, with some buyers out there. So it's kind of maybe, maybe it's nothing to do with you. Maybe they've just had a bad day. They are people, agents are people after all. So if somebody's kind of giving you the cold shoulder, maybe it's not absolutely nothing you've done. It's, it's yeah, they, they deal with a lot of dickheads as well. Like that job was incredibly um, punishing for me over the years because the buyers are lying to you the vast majority of the day. The vendors are lying to you for the vast majority of the day. And you're basically lying to everyone for the vast majority of the day. Now, I challenge any agent because I've had people say to me, that's ridiculous. That's, you know, I'm an agent. I don't lie to people all day. But the game is just full of hot air and BS and I don't care, you know, if anyone tells me otherwise. I sat in that seat. I had, you know, big teams of salespeople. I've worked in multiple different, you know, franchise groups and in different countries in real estate uh, and it's the same dialogue in most places. Like, you know, you're there to sell property, you're there to win clients, you're there to close deals and there's lots of sales tricks and, and strategies that go on what, from an agent. And what are some yeah, of the, what are, what are the more the common, what are the common sort of tricks that, that the agent, and we have spoken about these before, but I, I kind of want to unpack, well not unpack, but talk about what are, what are three of the kind of most common sort of tricks or, or tactics that agents use? You sort of find. Well, uh, I mean, the two biggest ones is um, quoting high to win the listing and quoting low to drive buyer traffic to it. I mean, that's the, yeah. the, the number one, the, the number one and two probably. Number three is um, inflating the, the market by giving people confidence that they should pay a certain price um, by, you know, having a furphy offer that doesn't exist. You know, like mm -hmm. dialogue like without even lying, you can say, Jeff, um, I'm glad you got an interest in the property. You've come in at 900. It's not going to be enough. I've got a buyer that says they're coming in this afternoon at four o'clock with an offer in the mid nines. Well, I mean, do you? I'm not. I'm, I'm, I've actually got to go and close yeah. the property at three o'clock. It's closing at three, so yeah, let's, like let's do, do it right now. Offer I'm, yeah. coming in at that point, and all you think <laughs> is that I do, but do I? I, yeah. I you know, like th yeah. this just goes on all day. It was just part of. Yeah. It was part of my strategy. It was part of every agent that I deal with all the time. Like, if I ring an agent. The vast majority of times now I'll ring them and say, I've got an interest in this property. What's the first thing you think comes out of their mouth? Um, I've, I've got, got another sort of four, four or five people interested as well. Yeah. Is that what they're... We've got another interested party. Well, there's another yeah. offer coming. It's yeah. like standard real estate 101. Oh, you've got an interest? Oh, we've got another buyer. Yeah. It's can like, I, can, you know, can, can I tell you about a conversation? And yeah. then all of a sudden you ring with an interest in the property and then all of a sudden there's another buyer that's really hot on it as well. It's like, it's just standard. So there's ways of flushing out those, you know, to work yeah. out if there's another offer or there isn't. But yeah, there's, there's, it's just a constant game that's going on. So you've just got to be aware of the game. If you're not going to be willing to play the game or understand how to navigate the game, 
get somebody else. else to do it for you. Yep. Yeah. Get someone else what to do it. Um, is it um, is, is it true? Because I heard something the other day that if you ask, um, it, it is a way of detecting, I mean, an agent can still potentially lie about this, but is asking them how many written off, like, is it a written offer? Like, or how many written offers do you have? Can you, is that sort of, because an agent probably can't get around that? Is that? Um, yeah, they can because who's going to hold them accountable? Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's so I was like, how, how, how do you prove that the offer wasn't written at that time? Are you going to go yeah. to all that effort? To, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same as, and that's why those questions are stupid to ask. Like, there's no point asking it. Like, when I was, when I was um, back, you know, active in the market, as I said to you before, where people would go in and collect a, a contract, and even still, you can still, you know, do the same thing by getting them on email or DocuSign. Um, most buyers, their first question is, how many contracts have you got out? This was in New South Wales where this is a common thing, right? Not In, in other states, it's not as common. But in New South Wales, it's very common to say, how many contracts have you got out? Well, now agents were coached to give you an answer that wasn't too high and wasn't too low. So they're creating competition in the property for you, but they're not three creating or four, three competition or four, that uh, they're going to spare off. The three or four, standard yeah, offer. Three or four, what that make you feel as a buyer? Oh, damn it. Okay, there's heaps of interest in this. I'm a shot, but there's that. also, yeah, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And then they can leverage that the further into the negotiation they go. Well, you know, one of the other buyers has fallen through, Jeff. It's, a, you know, you know, they, you know, the standard auction dialogue on the last week is they'll call you either two days or three days before the auction and say, Jeff, I've just set the, you know, I've just sat down with the owner. We've set the reserve. It's, it's re- they're really motivated sellers. They're going to sell on the day. Um, you know, I was really surprised at how low it was. I just thought, thought their expectations were much above that, but they're clearly motivated to sell. And good news is one of the other best buyers that we've had, we've only had, we haven't had a huge amount of interest, not as much as we thought, um, but one of the other best buyers we had that was red hot on it has actually bought last night. Um, and one of the other buyers is saying, look, they're not sure they're going to be able to get their finance ready. So, look, you just got to be there at midday on Saturday. Now, you turn up on Saturday, it's fucking nine registered bidders, and it starts 100 grand above where you, you know, thought your final bid was going to be. Excuse my French for swearing. But it is just the standard dialogue that we get every single week across the country. Like an agent will call me. I've done this before as a joke but with, a, with a mate of mine that was a, a paying client of ours. And I said to him, I put him on speaker. So I'm going to call the agent and I'm going to tell you what they're going to say before they say it. And I said, this is the dialogue they're going to say. And I'm going to dial the number and they're going to say it. And I swear to God, we put the phone on speaker and the agent almost said word for word what I told my mate before I dialed the number. It's like they all say the same thing. So the reason why you can out-negotiate an agent is because if you do this at volume and you get so much practice at this, you know what the agent's going to say and when they're going to say it and what it means, okay? So I know that if I throw a certain line out at a certain point, what is the highest percentage chance of getting a line back like that? Now, that dictates to me whether there's another buyer I'm competing against or if there's no one. So I can really quickly establish by throwing out a number when I'm negotiating for a buyer. So if they say, look, it's offers over 850 and I think it's worth a million bucks, for example, I might bait them or I do bait them and say, you know, you know, we've, you know, and I might have a buyer that's prepared to pay a million dollars the fair offer, but we want to buy it as low as we can. They'll say, look, it's going to auction, you know, we're not accepting offers. And I'll say, look, I, you know, we're we're a long day, long way down the line on another property um, off market, don't want to lose that opportunity. Look, my client's thinking 925 to 950. They're in that range. They really like the house. This is their preference. Am I pissing in the wind here? Am I wasting my time or have I got a chance? And I'll, and Do you actually use time, that line? I'm always. A, always. Oh, okay. yep. <laughs> I just, and the, I just agents love that. Say, the agents will say to me, most agents are just, you know, they're just black and white, like black and white. 
when they're talking to buyers, they're just like sheep. Like you just join the queue, you come and you press three times on the contract when I need you to do that. You'll do that at quarter past 12 on Saturday after I drive you through this emotional roller coaster and you'll pay a premium. Okay, yeah, you're good for that. Yep, tick. So if you do it the other way and you, you know, you can control that process and you do these things, I'll say to the agent, okay, great. They're at that 925 to 950 point. I introduce that other property and I say, look, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time or the vendors. We've got a buyer here that's red hot. They want to sign a contract. Do we chase this property and do we have a crack at it or do we let it go and just chase the other one? Now, if they think we're close or reasonably close to the price, they engage you. They're not going to let you go because they don't want to lose a potential buyer, okay? So instantly you've gone from a position where they say it's auction or expressions of interest. We're not expecting, you know, we're not accepting any offers before this day or, you know, we're not accepting any offers before auction. All of a sudden they get a fear of loss, right? And it plays on them that they need to engage you to some point and they're going to say, well, look, you know, it's not going to buy it, so go buy the other property. And you go, okay, great. Well, then I know that at 925 to 950, that's nowhere near where the vendor's expectation is or what they're expecting the property is going to sell for based on what they told the vendor. So they may be quoting 850 plus, but now you know it's not going to sell anywhere near 950. It's going to be well over that. So now you can make an educated decision on whether you waste the next two weeks waiting for this property, spending money on a building and pest report, or just jog on down to the next next one. Or they'll come back to you and they might say, mate, look, you're not far off it at that point. I think if you could get me to the million, we could get a deal here. And you say, okay, well, that's, that's fair enough. Look, that's really interesting. But I think at a million bucks, we're probably still going to jog down the road and buy the other one because we just don't see value at that level. And they were like, oh, look, mate, just look, can you get, get somewhere between 950 and, and yeah, can you get somewhere between 950 and a million? Yeah. Oh, look, I'm not sure. Like, we're really at 925 to 950. Okay, mate, well, look, you know, give, give me 950 and I'll put it to the owner. Now, that's a different conversation. Now you know that you're right at the top of the spectrum of which they've got a chance of closing the seller, okay? So it might be that they told the seller 950 to a million in the first place. Now they've got an offer in the range and it's, they think... Yeah, it's what they appraise it at. It and it's like you can go into something they could accept. Yep. Yeah. I don't have to wait till day 28. I can sell this on day four. I haven't got enough interest in the property so far after the first weekend. All of a sudden, you've got a shot at buying the property that no one else has got a shot at buying, okay? So you've just got to think outside that square and go, okay, well, I want to, you know, I want to control the negotiation as best I can. I'm going to bait these people into a conversation and it doesn't always work, but it, but it works. I shouldn't say it doesn't always work. It almost always works. It just doesn't always work in your favour. So you'll get an either win or you'll realise it's a loss, but either way, you've, you've got an outcome out of it and you move on. So I think, yeah, I, I, think, I, think I'd, I think I'd say that's a win because if you're not wasting your time, you're not kind of you're not using two weeks when you could be you're not using your mental energy, your mental gymnastics, sort of thinking uh, if you're an owner occupier, you, where you're going to put the couch, or if you're an investor, where you, where you sort of I mean what the, when when the rent's going to hit your bank account. Um, this is an interesting one. I think we sort of um, what are strategies to negotiate lower price without putting the agent or vendor off? Um, I mean, don't lowball. Don't yeah. lowball. So that, that's that's. What are your thoughts on lowball, Scott? Yeah, you, 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 you're like um, you're like uh, so Joe off the plant uh, with house and land. Every time I mention house, Joe's like a he's like a bull of red mist comes in front of his eyes, a bull of red flag. He just runs straight at it. I'm just like you just see him. Not not a lot. If you want to annoy Joe, just talk about house and land packages to him. I think you're the same with lowballing, are you? Uh, the amount of um, heated discussion I have with people about it. And uh, it's funny that, you know, anytime you talk about negotiation on Oz Property Investors, there's always someone that says, 
you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a big set of balls. I just lowball everyone, and it works for me every single time. It's like it doesn't work for you every single time. Uh, it may have worked for you once. It's not a strategy. It's a really lazy way of buying properties, and and I think it's it's um, you know you could punch holes through it all day of the week. Um, the only way that I think you buy by lowballing is you buy poor assets. You buy you know you engage sellers that have got no one else on that asset, and they're prepared to take your price probably because it's the highest price they're going to get rather than the lowest price you thought you were going to pay for it. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's an art to doing this to not put agents off, and that is to you know, we've discussed most of this already. Be a clear communicator. Be highly responsive. Do things that you tell the agent you're going to do, like back back it up and move at speed. Um, if you drag your heels, if you're indecisive, if you lie to the agents, if you um, don't have the capacity to do the deal when you told them you were going to be able to in terms of finance, um, you know, if you change the deal at the last minute, um, if you try to throw things into a deal that you you know that are unrealistic. They're all things that are going to put an agent off or a seller off and make it difficult for you, for, for you to be included in any future correspondence like that. Yeah. And I, I think um, being being clear and upfront sort of first first up is, is is vital because you sort of start. And even even once you've actually had an offer accepted, I think it's important. That, I, I don't know if there's other people like this, but actually signing the contract, like if you're leaving the con- if you're if you've had the offer accepted, like, Get your conveyance or whoever it is to review the contract if you haven't prior, and make sure you do that. And keep communicating with the agent as well, saying, "Hey, look, I'm just I'm just waiting on my conveyance to review it or whatever it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna give get this contract to you ASAP." And and then sort mm. of yeah, sort of make sure you're not yeah. sort of dicking around. There's a few comments here about lowball, and there always is, which is why why you you laughed about it up front. Um, there, there's a way of doing it, right? So I don't know what lowball Sammy Gordon means, but. Um, oh, it's how I tagged. He tagged Sam, so it's uh, oh, okay, Brendan. Cool. So it must be must be kind of to, to joke about it or something. Uh, all good. So I mean, there's there's lowballing, like uneducated lowballing, and then there's lowballing when you're um, not in a hurry and you're just looking. Uh, but I would I would challenge why are you not in a hurry? Like in terms of why are you just throwing offers out willy nilly on properties when you're not serious about buying? That doesn't really make much sense. You're either in the market to buy and you buy the best asset you can every time or you're not in the market. I don't, I don't understand why you'd just be throwing around offers willy-nilly on the proviso, one person bites. Um, but there's a way of doing it that's, I wouldn't say it's low-balling, um, but it's the same potential outcome. And it would be along the lines of me ringing an agent and sussing out what will buy it. And often I'll go lower than my strategy that I teach, which is that kind of 95 to 97% of the way towards the, the target price when you make your first offer. But I, before I do that strategy every time, I always check whether there's an ability to buy it at a lower price point, right? It's the smart thing to do. It's not lowballing, but I will go to a client and say, okay, well, it's on at, you know, 405000 I might have that same dialogue along the lines of, um, you know, I'm working with a client at the moment that's sitting around that kind of 350 mark or 330 Am I wasting my time on this one? And you'll either get an instant, yeah, you're absolutely wasting your time. Like we've got interest already at 380 You'd need to be north of 380 and that's another really good way of engaging an agent to get information out of them. If you go to them and say, what do I need to beat? They'll say, make your best and final offer. But if you go to them and say, well, I've got interest around 330, 350, where you need to be, sometimes they'll say to you, yeah, we've got an offer of 385. The vendor counted at 400. Uh, if you're at that level, we can get a deal done. Somewhere between the two of them might work in a negotiation. They'll, they'll tell you more information if you, if you communicate really clearly. So I open the door to making a lower offer. 
Um, but be prepared to just be bounced off straight away. And, and, and the reality is if you're buying a good asset in a strong area, a strong location, it's very unlikely you're going to have any success lowballing someone. Yeah. There's too many um, other people that want to buy those assets and you want to be buying properties that are in hot demand. Yeah. So that, that, that kind of, you, you almost want to take a couple of steps back and, and sort of say, well, establish the type of asset you want to be buying before you, if you're, if you're lowballing and winning, then you probably haven't sort of set your own parameters up front unless you're actually happy buying that asset. And, and if so, then that's fine. Yeah. And most agents will say to me, so sometimes we're buying in like Townsville, for example, or Ipswich or wherever it might be. And I'll say to the agent straight up, and we do our own due diligence, of course, but just to save doing the due diligence in terms of flood zoning, I'll ask the, the agent, is it in a flood zone? No, 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 it's never flooded. Is it in a flood zone? No. Oh, no, 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 it's not in a flood zone. Okay, great. And then we do our due diligence and it's in a flood zone straight away and we just dismiss it instantly. So a lot of buyers aren't asking those questions. A lot of buyers aren't doing that research and they, they're the properties they're buying that they're lowballing and having success with because they're buying dud assets. They look on paper really clean, really strong yields, um, you know, potentially really nicely renovated, but it's in a fire zone or it's in a flood zone or it's when in 100 metres of um, power lines, major power lines, or some other issue like that that you haven't quite done your due diligence on. So, you know, I think you, you've got to be really careful that you low ball um, and win and you win a dud. Yeah. Um, we've, we've, we've probably probably sort of um, unpacked some of these throughout, but I, I, want, I want to sort of crystallise the, the answers of, or get, get, some, get some really real, real nuggets out of you. In terms of if, if, if an agent says they have somebody at 385 or whatever price it is, what, kind of, what, what, what sort of tells do you have there um, to, to sort of see if the agent is actually legitimate? What are the terms of the offer? Oh, is yeah, it unconditional? Yeah. Is it but isn't that kind of the same as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, but I want to know. And, and, and you'll very quickly work out, are they lying? Because they're going to tell yeah, you something. Yeah, they, they can't. They're, they're, they're changing their story around. And yes. It's like, oh. yes. So you ask qualifying questions and you and you listen. And, and being a good negotiator is all about being a really good listener. And, and, and that's, you ask questions, you set the trap, and then you, 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 know, you let them talk. And what you find with people that are lying is they'll often talk for a long time to try and cover their tracks. Someone that's highly confident um, and they've got a buyer there that's at 385, they'll just tell you it's 385 and it's running your business and we're going to exchange tomorrow afternoon unless someone beats it. Yeah, Or it's 385, it's unconditional um, and we're ready to right. go. So unless we get a better offer right. on that. And, and also not only if we get a better offer, we're still going to disclose your offer to everybody and let everyone have a fair go at beating it. That's when you know, okay, well, they've got other interested parties. So there's ways of asking questions like that to establish whether it's real or, or whether it's fake. So I think you've, you've just got to ask really good questions that are loaded, listen, and sometimes do that over a period of time as well. So it might not be, you know, all in one conversation. You might ask that same question a couple of different ways over face-to-face, -face, over a text, you know, or over a phone conversation and see if those answers line up. Because of the fact they're dealing with 200 people a week or 300 people a week, often they get caught up in their own lies. The amount of times people will say to me, or this, and then you ring back five days later or seven days later, and I'll remember it. Or I've got notes in Pipedrive, our system, about what the agent told me. And then the, the stories don't correlate. It's like, okay, well, this is just all horseshit, right? So I know there's probably no one else, and then I can just um, push harder. Always, always yeah. fishing. Now, one, one thing I want to talk about just there really quickly, you can lowball when you're cash rich and settling in four days. I say bullshit to that. Ooh, now, the reason, the, re the reason I don't like that is... Um, in what state 
does cash rich give you much advantage these days if someone's got a pre-approval or a conditional approval and they can settle in 30 days, for example, which is normal terms for most of the country. Oh, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw somebody the other day got finance approval in two days. And, and yeah, that's going so to settle some of the finance approval we negotiated on at the moment of five days, right? So um, if you've got a buyer that you know as an agent that has bid on another property before and missed out, or um, went through the whole buying process and a deal fell over because it was a building and pest report or something that crashed it that wasn't their fault, you know they're a genuine buyer. If they come to you and you're competing against a cash offer in 14 days and someone that you know can wholeheartedly do the deal in 30 days, but they're offering more money, then I'm going to tell my owner to take the higher money if I'm the seller. So it doesn't always mean you can lowball just because you've got the best terms. You may have to have the best offer as well. And the more it's bizarre in Australia, but the richer... The, the, this country has got the amount of cash deals that we have to compete against is crazy. It blows me away how many people are buying with cash. So if you walk around thinking you're the only cash buyer, um, it depends where you are in the country and at what price point. But you'll be shocked at how many other people can buy cash that are competing. Yeah, you, you, you do you do hear it anecdotally quite quite a lot from yeah, and and you sort of and even, even interesting. I we saw uh, I saw a deal the other day where you actually. I think we weren't too. Uh, they, they weren't too far above where the cash offer was, but they decided to go with with the offer that had um, sort of that had was a higher offer. So cash doesn't necessarily like obviously if you if there's only two or three thousand dollars difference, it might not make a difference. But if you're thinking you can go in and buy something sort of ten percent below another offer, I, I think I think it's unlikely. Um, in Queensland, for example, a lot of agents will say to me. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're cash because we're not losing any deals. Deals aren't falling over on finance. It's highly unlikely in our office that a deal will fall over on finance. So, um, you know, I don't know how they are doing their checks in terms of making sure their buyers are legit and they're organised and the rest of it. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, contracts in Queensland, they'll want to know who you're borrowing through who your broker is, and they'll speak to the broker directly to ascertain. Oh, wow. Actually, the yeah, that's, that, that, that's actually true because I, I remember when I, was, um, when I was a broker back in the day, I, I had a real estate agent call me up and, and they sort of said, well, how's, how's the finance going? I was like, oh, you know, I, I, work for the, I work for the other guy. It's going pretty well. Yeah. I sort of yeah. was, was pretty vague, but I'd, I'd never had an, a bit they were from Queensland. So it kind of, there you go. So I didn't, I didn't yeah. um, so that's common practice up there in Queensland, but Joe, I haven't seen Joe have too many. That's kind of they don't really call. Or maybe we just they've, they've bought off agents that um, aren't doing their sort of checks. But um, I think that's just a good one to know though, because there's there's little things like that that if I'm cash, then I'm I'm going to be in pole position. But you've just they're they're kind of furfies now in in the real estate world in Australia. It doesn't necessarily guarantee position. Of course, you'd rather be cash and settling in four, fourteen days. It's a much stronger negotiation. It helps, um, you know, picture in most instances, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. I wanted to, this is an interesting question. Today I was listening to a debt negotiation, very relevant to have you done any and how do you, how do you go by it? Um, so that's I when, haven't, when, I haven't. Yeah. It's a simple answer. Sorry to kill that one on the head, but um, yeah. you might know a little bit more about that with your banking background, Jeff. But well, um, Joe, I, we even wrote a newsletter on that. Um, it's crucial has written this. Um, go and check out. And we will be coming back with a newsletter as well, the monthly newsletter. Um, Joe and I have been on a bit of a bit of a hiatus for that, but it'll it'll come back bigger bigger than better. I just have to Joe and I just have to hash out a topic, but um, no, we did we, we've done a couple of sessions on that as well. But um, I think it's it's really about that's an interesting one. I think it comes down to the bank as well because if the smaller the bank, they're not as concerned about. I mean, maybe not 
necessarily not as concerned, but the bigger banks, they actually want to, they're more, ironically, they're more interested because actually they employ people to, they have a retention team. They have like bums on seats. So those people really want to keep people at the, whereas I think the smaller banks, they probably just have like a person doing the same kind of thing. So they're not as, not as concerned about losing and and they won't often. But anyway, that's just anecdotal again. But there were some more questions that I had in here. Let's see. This is an interesting one as well. Um, we we got we got out get our purchase to put our best foot forward. Well, I mean that's 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 kind of yeah. What are your thoughts on this kind of conversation that agents? I think away? it goes back to the same thing. You have to use leverage in that point and say, um, okay, well, look, we we, we if we're going to vaguely have to bid on a property and not know where it stands, we're too far down the line on another property, and we'd rather focus our energies there. We we really like this property; it's our preference, and we're prepared to go to X. Yeah. Um, you know, are we are yes. we wasting our time or not? And and again, so often the agents will tell us, um, "You're not wasting your time," or "You are wasting your yeah. time," and then you just know straight away. And and of course, you then build your negotiation strategy around that. You don't tell them the final number that you're going to pay. You tell them a number that might be, you know, a couple of percent behind that, and that gives you some room to move on the negotiation. But it at least gives them um, something to work with an agent to turn you away or or bring you into the fold. Yeah, it's um, because there's no, I mean, although agents do want to get generate a whole bunch of interest at the same time, if you're not going to be close to where it's going to sell, the, the more the busier agents, you kind of them them writing up 15, 20 offers or whatever is not yeah. not necessarily. I mean, like that one you had fifty six offers. Like I don't know. What oh, it was ridiculous when the market's booming. But let me let me kind of put a disclaimer there. Um, to be fair to that the person that's asked that question. Um, you, I don't always get the answer I want, right? Like these no, are, it, these it's, are it's high percentage plays that I've established over 30 years or so of doing this and, and, you know, negotiating all day, every day, six days a week, basically. So lots of experience in putting these lines down there and getting these responses, but it doesn't always work. There's, there's very often an agent will say to me, mate, go and buy the other property. Then if you're not prepared to play the, the game, this is how we're playing it. Or this is the owner's instructions and we're not doing it any other way. Um, so I think it'd be, it'd be, silly for me to say to you that these things work all the time they don't you have to be honest about it um these are just high percentage response plays that we put in in uh into into action each day that that very often get us the outcome that we want and give us the information but yeah you've just got to be prepared unfortunately to um you know to blind bid on some properties and you do that to by understanding the market and your product knowledge is at a high level and having confidence around a walkaway price. We've, we've played this game before on the show, but um, you know, when I'm trying to set an auction target price or walkaway number for my client or even for myself and my wife and we're bidding, um, I'll start by saying something like, well, you know, what's your target price? And you might say to me, Jeff, it's a million bucks. And I'll say, okay, well, if, if the bidding gets to, you know, right at the end, exhausted at a million bucks, and then the agent comes over to me and says, a million's not going to buy it. Um, but a million and ten will close the deal and we'll get it done right now. What do you want to do? And then I just shut up. And Jeff's going to have a think about it with his wife and say, "Well, look, you know, at a million and ten, we'd probably go ahead." Okay, well then your target price is a million and ten, and I'm going to keep playing that game. Okay, Jeff, the agent comes back to me and says, "Million ten's not going to buy." Fifty. Yeah. Million and twenty-two is going to buy, and uh, and and this could be just in a private negotiation. It doesn't have to be an auction. You know, will you pay it? Oh, I wouldn't go to a million and twenty-two, but I, I would go to a million and eighteen. Great, that's your walkaway number, then. Okay, so when you're doing these blind bids, play the game with yourself or with your partner and say, "What is my walkaway number?" 
then you can't yeah. lose. You cannot lose the game. So you either you, either, you either you either buy the property or you get to go and buy it or someone else paid more than you were going to. So the way that I look at these things is through a really positive attitude of like I'm prepared to pay or my client's prepared to pay X. Beyond that, we win either way, and then there's no regrets, right? So my I can my clients don't call me back or my wife's not going to you know roll over and punch me in the face the next day and say I lost my dream property. We should have got another ten grand. It's like no, we played that game in advance. And we realized that there was no value beyond a certain level to us on that property. And it would be better off for us to go buy something else. Because what the problem is, when you get put under the blowtorch, and this is why agents love auctions and they love these expressions of interest and you know these, these situations where you're blind bidding, when you put under the blowtorch, people will spend more money because they don't want to miss out. And they haven't thought through what their real walkaway number is. So this is why on a Saturday, right across the country, every single weekend, you'll see people bidding against themselves um, when they don't have to, even when the auction is finished, they, they go out the back and they bid even more against themselves when they've just had a public auction and no one was prepared to pay any more from that. So you've got to understand where the line is in the sand and stick to it. So it's the same with blind bidding. You can do it with confidence. How do you feel when you, when you sort of go in for, to buy a property? And and and, it's, and the negotiation is really kind of silky smooth and you, and you just buy it at the price... Is it? I almost feel sometimes that I, I then could have got it a bit cheaper. Is that is that yours? <laughs> like I don't know. Like the, whereas I think, whereas I feel sometimes if negotiation is really hard and you kind of, it's like when you really one of those big fishes and you like it works really hard and then you've, you've actually worked for it. What are your thoughts on that? Like I'm, I'm just. I yeah. think it's human nature to feel that way, right? Like you feel like, okay, yeah. well that was too easy. But, um, but then, but then at the same time, if it's if it's under the, my if it's under the buy price. Then should I just be happy that I bought it under my buy price anyway? My mind doesn't go to the fact that it was too easy. My mind goes to the fact of what's wrong with the property. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I constantly say this in the office when we get these those easy occasional ones with that yeah. negotiate. I don't have them very often, and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, well, you end up saving a fair bit of money, and, you, and then I turn around to Sammy, my right hand man, and say. Oh, let's just go back through the DD or whatever and just let's just revisit all those things and just triple check everything because that was too easy. Um, but often it's because there's a motivated seller and, and you just don't know that how motivated they are and they get a price that they're happy with and, and they just exit. And there's a lot of lazy agents. There's a lot of um, nervous sellers, which we discussed, and um, you put an offer on the table actually, um, remotely close to what they're willing to take and they take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because and you, you, it maybe just means that that you are sort of, um, sort of nailing them. Uh, you're kind of a perfect storm. Like you get a, like for for an example, you, you could have a, a tentative property for for the next nine months, and and an investor is really only going to an owner occupier is not going to buy that. So it's going to come down to an investor. And if, and if you can kind of, yeah, it's not a perfect science real estate either, right? So if you're looking to bid for properties that are at auction, or you're looking to bid for you know, those EOI campaigns where you're blindly bidding. My view of where the market price is going to be different to Jeff's view of the market price, quite possibly. So it is beauty in the eye of the beholder, right? So, you know, sometimes you just might overcook it compared to what they were, you know, prepared to spend it. It might still be well below what you were prepared to pay for it and where you saw value. Um, and But it just that's how the cookie crumbles. So, yeah, that, that's why I love the, this job is because every negotiation is different. And there's all these different outcomes that continue to play out all the time. So it's fun. Somebody said, uh, I love, this is Cameron. I, I love the underlying point of this conversation is that you just have to do the work to know the value of the property you're aiming at. Yep. 50 physical inspections, ideally, of a property. 
Um, you know, turn up to all the auctions to make sure your product knowledge is good, track every property that you've gone and physically inspected to see what it sells for, and then have your strategy for pre and off market. You do those things, you're going to be, you know, top one or 2% of buyers in your marketplace, and you're going to be well positioned to um, control the negotiation. But, you know, the, the hard thing with negotiation is this is a learnt skill. It's, you've, it's done by practice. I'm in a fortunate seat where I did it for 25 years on the other side of the fence. So I understand what, how buyers approach negotiations. I understand how an agent approaches a negotiation and I understand how to balance the vendor in that relationship as well. And most buyers don't understand how the agent has got to balance the vendor in, and, and their expectations in a campaign and how to close a negotiation. So I think having all, sat in those seats, it gives me a bit of a unique view of um, how these things play out. But I've also been fortunate enough to be able to learn from making mistakes in negotiations and doing so many of them. So you, it's, it is a numbers game, as Jeff alluded to at the start. It is definitely something where you, you've got to practice your skill and hone it. And I think the more, the more you do, I don't know, this is probably just true of everything in life. The more you do with something, the more you realize how, how little you actually know. And, yeah, and, then, and then, yeah, you kind of you go in with, with like you go bright eye, bushy tail, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really good at this. And then you're, the more you do with something, you're like, oh, actually, this is, this is a, a, a little bit of a, a baptism of fire to go into. And whether that be going and playing, I mean, how are the Ashes going? Anyway, I'm getting distracted. But I'm, <laughs> it's, it's a cricket tragic. Or you go into State of Origin against the Queensland, and you get smashed year after year. Just, that, that was painful. But uh, no, so <laughs> I, I reckon we should go into Q&A, Scott. We haven't. I think this has been a really good free-flowing free conversation. We haven't really necessarily unpacked the whole process, which I kind of wanted to, but that's okay. Uh, it's been a, people have just been throwing a whole bunch of questions. So keep throwing those questions, people, because I think that's how we kind of learn. We, we love to keep it interactive. But whilst people are doing that, Scott, what, what are your kind of – like you, you buy pretty much around the country, maybe exception Darwin or – you buy much in Darwin and, and Tassie? Yeah. No, I bought a few in Tassie for clients, but um, mainly for owner occupancy. Actually, no, that's not true. Um, actually, some people in, in our group here, we've bought a couple of properties for. Um, in oh, Florida. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah Chris on that one. But yeah, yeah there, there, not many in Tassie. Tassie Tassie's uh, not been as, as popular in terms of our investor clients over the last few years. And I've actually never bought a property in Darwin. So. Uh, I haven't had any clients ever come to me to to, to purchase in Darwin specifically. Because what, what are you sort of, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit or quite a lot about sort of what's going on in Perth, particularly the South. And it's even sort of starting to, in the, like there's a couple out over in the Armadale region, which we know how much Joe loves Armadale. He's a he's an absolute sort of stickler, like boots on the ground. He was, he was curt, but um, sort of seeing some of the action kind of Gosnell, it's, it's getting, it's getting very interesting. I just, um, I just, yeah, I, it's, 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 and sort of seeing the, the walk away, like you're just getting nowhere near what they're actually selling for because you sort of, um, but what are you, what are you sort of seeing around different pockets of say in South Australia and, and Victoria and, and, and New South Wales and Queensland? What are you, what are you seeing around the grounds? Um, well, I mean, WA, we kind of talked about before. I'm seeing lots of, I'd say, inexperienced investors or uh, so do, you know, DIY investors or um, mass market buyers agents just paying almost whatever they have to to get an asset. The yields are pretty soft. Um, they're buying dog assets in a lot of instances that are on the market. Like even the dodgy houses are selling really quickly for insane prices. So I just don't think there's really any value there unless you can find these things um, pre and off market or you get very lucky with something that's on the market with an inexperienced agent that 
can't get the right price. So there's not a lot of value there for me at the moment. Um, we haven't had a lot of investors, um, you know, in 2023 looking in Victoria that come to us specifically around that. And uh, I find and that because- I find that um, I find that interesting um, because I mean I know there's the whole land tax and there's whole the yields are, are, are atrocious. I'm not yeah they're kind of like right. they're at least yeah. at least in Geelong, but um, I don't know about the other. Yeah. Part, even the the yields just not there. So anyone chasing um, you know a balance of the capital growth and yields has just been pointing in different directions. So I mean we'll we'll buy. We've got you know lots of different sort of hotspotting. I hate, hate the term hotspotting, but we've got lots of growth locations that we've got data around that we're confident in buying in. Um, so we're buying in a diverse range of, um, of locations and different price points. Uh, I still have tons of transactions in Queensland. It just, you know, we're getting, you know, really strong yields in um, different parts of that. We've got lots of people buying duplex pairs and things that seems to be popular as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's feedback. It's interesting just there from people that's in the comments saying Armadale is really bad. It's a shithole, <laughs> and everyone's got a different view of this. And like, even um, I had it's client. it's so so polarizing, isn't it? It's kind of it's almost become the um, the Mount Druitt of. I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that Armadale is going to get close to the price of what because the house in the the burbs of Mount Druitt these days is selling for six or seven fifty six six hundred k to seven hundred fifty k. Even like a very basic sort of property in Mount Druitt now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, go on. Yeah. You got some, yeah. You're saying you yeah, got some. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've, we've got a client that, you know, has got a, a budget under 200000 wants a house, got to be a three-bed or bigger. Um, that dictates, you know, where you can buy, you know, with a certain yield that's got to be positive cash flow. So, you know, the, the, you, you can, know, you can buy a house for under two hundred k in Perth? Uh, well, no, not in Perth. We're not talking about Perth in particular, but um, yeah. and I won't give away all of our trade secrets. Oh, no, no, that's all right. We'll talk offline. I've bought two of those in the last two weeks, one in um, one in central Queensland and one in yeah. um, uh, north of Perth, let's just say that, yeah, there's, there's in, in terms of a city. Um, and people can do their own research and people will punch holes through those particular assets um, potentially if it doesn't suit their criteria of what they're looking for. But People will come to us with different criteria of what they need, right? So if someone's got 150000 and they want to buy a house and that's all they can afford, then it, that dictates where they can buy. So they'll trade off potentially, you know, um, a higher socioeconomic, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic area, the higher percentage, I should say, um, yeah. you know, or other things that they can trade off. So it's horses for courses, really. We have to, we have to take every um, brief on the basis of what specifically their needs well, are. And that, that's, that's something that, that that podcast the other day, the Elf in the Room podcast, there was sort of, there was a bit of, you could see it was a bit of argy-bargy between the, like the blue chip versus the sort of more um, affordable type areas. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, if you've got, if you're earning sort of five, 600K per year, then, then yeah, you, I don't know about buying a property in Armadale because you're buying, your income, you could you could buy that property in a year. I mean, of course, if you're earning five or six hundred k, you're probably spending three or four hundred k a year. So you you yeah. couldn't buy it cash in a year, but it's just yeah, as you say, horses to courses. Um, totally. And and the interesting thing about that is, like, if you were like we were mining is back. Someone forgot to tell the sector about the green movement. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I don't know how long mine now. We're getting into philosophical debate. Throw, throw some questions on negotiation. We'll probably have one or two more because Scott's. Uh, I'll answer the one as well. That that uh, do you think that the fourteen day settlement cash offer still doesn't work in a market dominated by first home buyers? I thought we discussed that, but happy to yeah. Yeah, we're kind of talking about it. I think it's probably the same person that's asking that question in 
because uh, I kind of poo-pooed that one in terms of the cash. Um, of course, it's going to work if it's all going to be first-home buyers. It's going to be more powerful in negotiation. It just doesn't guarantee you the success if you're going to make a low-ball offer. Um, if there's other first-home buyers that have got pre-approved finance or conditionally approved finance, then you won't win because if, if, if they believe the that the finance is going to stand up, then they'll take the higher offer and the kind of standard terms. So it depends on how big the gap is between your low ball versus what they're what they're offering. So, um, but I mean, I don't. There's another person buying that saying very few first home buyers, and at the moment, I'm not dealing with huge amounts of first home buyers nationally either. No. So not many owner occupiers. They, they can't. They can't afford, mate. They're, they're trying to. They're trying to yeah. buy in bloody Bondi or or I don't know. Um, I don't know Cottesloe. They're trying to buy in these. Like it's just yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because you sort of you see these sort of people say they can't afford a property, but then they you ask them where they want to buy and they want to buy sort of in a in a city and and they want to buy like a nice kind of and they're sort of looking at properties for one or one point five million. And it's like, well, of course you can't buy that property for your first property. Yeah, yeah, but, priced out of the market. So, but yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, let's see. So here Jeff, we go. Are you suggesting WA is starting to get overcooked. Well, I mean, that's a huge question. WA is a massive state, so it depends. I mean, yeah, it's, it's only it's only like a. It's probably bigger than most countries in Europe. So, I mean, which would yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you just have to be cautious because, for me, what what and you're probably seeing it as well. Like, you just start to see. Even Joe and I, we, we did a live on WA um, when he went over there. I think it was in 2022 in about March or April last year. And 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 we sort of which we decided to choose the south of Perth. And and Joe decided to, I think he did Rockingham or something. And I, I did Cooling Up. And Cooling Up at that stage, you could buy for 350 or even sort of 320 to 350. And I was like, oh, I think there's something here. And I, I just, I, I don't know why I thought there was something there. I just thought, you know, it's it's affordable and just seemed to have, and now you can't buy in cooling up. You, you're paying sort of four twenty to four fifty, and mm, and for four by two, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, that last every single time that works Probably every not. single time. No, no, there's no magic pill, unfortunately, that works every time. Um, there's certain things that you would have heard me repeat over and over again tonight already, and that's because they are the highest percentage chance that works. Um, and generally, when you're, you know, up against, um, you know, stock standard agent that that uh, has been at it for a few years, then then uh, you know they're motivated to get a result. And if you ask the right questions and you listen and you act with speed on these things and follow it up, you'll get it. You'll get the outcome you want. But there's no there's no line that works every time or script that works every single time. What are what are some of the? Yeah, I suppose it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's, it's keeping it as keeping it as I suppose showing that you're knowing that you're ready to take action um, and you and you clearly understand what you're doing I suppose that kind of what what I don't know if you have a script but what are some of the highlights of the script that you kind of run through and and talking to like that you've got that you are here to take an action but you've also got alternatives potentially as well well, I think you, we, we kind of gone through them. So to recap them, you kind of, you're asking questions about the motivation of the agent and the timing of it. You're asking questions around what will buy it. You're baiting the agent around what price you may see value at. Um, mm. You're talking to an agent about whether they'll accept an offer or move on something quickly. So to see if you can yeah. um, upset the timeframe or timeline that they're working towards. And then you're acting with speed to, to work through that buying process. So, you know, there's lots of little steps in that of which there's different scripts along the way. So it's difficult to kind of say what script works or what 
would you say in each negotiation or whatever? Because every stage of that, there's so many touch points um, for me. So I'm I'm a high level communicator. So when I'm um, on a deal like that, I'll talk to the agent a lot. Um, mm. You know, there's lots of SMSs that go around. There's lots of phone calls, and I'll kind of just drive it as hard as I can until it's over. And it might be over because it blew up and we missed it, or it's over because we've got it under offer and we can wrap it up quickly as there. So yeah. once we hone in on a property, we move like grease lightning to ensure that we've got the best chance of buying it on our terms. Um, otherwise, we move on as quickly as we can to the next target. And I, I think that's I, I don't know if um, I don't know if sort of that being being concerned that you're you're pestering an, an agent I, I don't think that that's necessarily like as long as you're you're kind of coming with with relevant and 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 or new information i don't think that there's i don't think you're actually pestering them like you are actually serious and and you're gonna as long as you are serious and you're gonna move forward i used to have that perception of like you don't want to kind of kind of call keep calling them multiple times you'll you'll you act like as if you're a pest but um no i think it's i think I mean, you're not a pest if you're asking the right questions and you're genuinely trying to buy the property and do a deal. Like they're there yeah. to facilitate a deal. They're a conduit to the market, right? So um, if you are coming to them with and bringing the heat and you're actually going to back it up, then they want to hear from you. Um, of course. Yeah. You know, I've got one of the deals that I'm doing at the moment that the agent's away on holidays and he's he's the lead agent. I've spoken to the other agent, the, the second agent that's dealing with her on, on his um, leave. And he's just not as responsive as the main agent. So I've just kept ringing the main agent while he's on holidays the whole time. And I've just kept going and kept going and kept going. And because he knows I want to buy the property, he still answers the phone. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's not answering the phone to general buyers, but because he thinks Definitely. he's got a line on the line with, with us um, that he's going to get a deal done, then he's he's actively you know working to close it for his client and get a deal deal together. So I think, yeah, if you, if you come at it and you're legit, then they'll take your calls and you know, you'll... You can you can get a direct line to the the deal maker. Yeah, oh, well, I appreciate your time. Um, we've got a couple of questions that will lead quite nicely into telling us how we can find out how we can get more of Mr. Scott Agate well, in, in in our lives. So, um, this is an interesting one. Is your course aimed at buyers agents or more at end users? Like, I don't know if it's buyers agents. Like, uh, I've had heaps of buyers agents go through the course already that are just starting out um, to understand uh, some of our tips on how to find, analyze, negotiate, and transact, which is what the course is great into in the four pieces joe absolutely raves about it. he sort of talks to i mean we've sort of been talking to you for two of two to three years now. i think it's three years maybe at least three. two years yeah yeah, yeah. so the three course years. is more aimed at at uh the course is about the buying process so to take a buyer from um you know from you know hero zero to hero basically in terms of being able to control that process for them themselves what it does and the reason i wrote that course it's broken up to 44 individual lessons and it's the the four sections that i said um, and it's it's to reduce your days on market. It's to teach you how to find things pre and off market at no cost. You don't have to spend any money. That's a free thing to do, just a bit of your time. Um, and then it gives you the the skills and some of the dialogues to go through and to, to control those negotiations at best and to understand what's going to come next. And that's one of the key things for buyers is, okay, I've done this, but what do I do next? Well, you need to know what's going to happen next, what's, what's required of you, what's required of the agent or the seller to keep those deals moving at a quick pace. So, um, yeah, it's, it, there's, not, there's no other course like that that I had seen in the marketplace. So I, I kind of data dumped 30 years of, of my experience as an agent. There's lots of um, uh, attachments and things like that and spreadsheets and things. So to give you like a work, a work something to work on in each part of those courses, uh, each part of that course breakup as well. So you can actually do it on the run and you can take notes and things as well that you can put into place straight away while you're looking for a property. 
Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's, I suppose it, it is a great, absolute fantastic resource. It's, it's in about actually putting into action as, as well. Um, because the only way you learn these sort of things is by doing, I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to buy a property if you're not talking to agents for a start, but it gives you, it equips yeah. you with the tools, I think as well. Well, I think you'll get through the buying cycle in less than 90 days in terms of the borrowing, um, borrowing period that most people get their conditional approval for. The average time it takes to buy a property in Australia is seven months. Um, typically, seven months. Buy, seven months. Um, typically, a buyer misses out five times before they settle on a six property. Typically, the six property they have either compromised on what they set out to, to purchase in the beginning, or they overpay, and that leads to forty-five percent of buyers in Australia reporting to have buyer remorse. So, Jeez, you know, it's, the, the stats are horrendous. Um, the amount of wastage that's in the mortgage broking industry as well, that, that, that wastage of people going through that rework pre-approval process is $120 billion a year in Australia, that process so of, of wasted deals. So it's a, it's a big issue. Um, the course is there to, to get people through that buying cycle faster. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, there's tons of value there and we've had great feedback from it. So hopefully... And, and um, Kushal, who's asked uh, plenty of questions, he said, how, how can I engage Scott, uh, engage him for something I'm keen on a certain... Because um, you, you, you're still doing that. Um, what's the service um, portfolio builder now? What, are you still doing the negotiation? Do, on? Yeah, so we do three things. The, the first of all is we do agent selecting. So we help clients that are looking at selling their own home or investment property to research the leading three agents in the marketplace and then um, going through that process in terms of the listing presentations to take the heat off uh, the seller. And then we renegotiate the leading agent of your choice down to the lowest possible um, fee structure or the best possible fee structure. That service is free to all of our clients because uh, the agents pay us an industry standard 20% referral fee. So we do a lot of agent selecting around the country, um, as I say, for investors or owner occupiers. Uh, the second thing that we do and kind of the bread and butter for our business from day one when I set it up um, five years ago is negotiation as a service. So we're the only performance-based negotiation service globally. Um, how we work is different to a buyer's agent. Um, only 3% of Australians uh, use uh, pay for using a buyer's agent type service. That means 97% of Australians are out That's there. It's probably gone up recently, has it? Like how, have you got the numbers? Essentially, it's, very, it's impossible. Yeah. I've had this conversation with lots of people in the industry. It's really difficult yeah. to ascertain what that number is. But generally speaking, it seems to be a consensus around about 3% of the market. So that means 97% of Australians are out there trying to buy their own home. They're going through exactly the key issues that we just stated before. Um, so we've built a business around those 97% of people that have got the capacity to go and find their own property. They're already doing it now. Um, when they find their property that they want, and we're coaching them through my course and, and giving them other tools to, to build rapport to find these properties faster than other buyers. When they've found it, we'll analyze it for you, and then we'll set a target price, or you'll set us a target price. That's our line in the sand for negotiation. And uh, we have a performance fee based on how much money we save you. So we're financially aligned with you to buy it at the lowest possible price. And we're paid more um, depending on how much we save you um, below the number that you are comfortable paying. So there was a question there about how, how, uh, how does it work? So uh, we charge an upfront retainer of $3,995. And that stays in play until you've bought a property. There's no negotiation or time limit. When you um, engage us to negotiate on a, on a target property, we then have a 15% performance fee. So if you say it's a million dollars that you're prepared to pay, that's your target price, we'll on average go and buy it for 970000 
I use that number specifically because our average saving is $30,000 nationally below the target price. Um, so you'll pay $970, we'll charge you 15% of the $30,000 saving. So our average fee in that instance would be $8,500 approximately and you're $21,500 net ahead and we've done all the work for you and you've had that complete confidence. So that's negotiation as a service. That's the core of our business. And then for investors, we have a product called Portfolio Builder and that's where it's a complete done-for-you service. Um, we charge $9,000 plus GST and we will uh, have a strategy session which starts uh, all of our clients before we then work into asset selection. We'll do all the work for you finding those assets analyzing it and negotiating it will give you all of that transparently so you can make a key buying decision fast and we're buying in growth locations with um, you know backed by uh, you know leading data in the industry and then obviously you've got Australia's best negotiators on hand to negotiate the outcome for you as well yeah. that's the three main services and if, if you want to check out Scott's team that I've got, uh, got got them there check it and we've got the got the link to the course as well so yeah, I think this has been a fun, a fun-filled session. I think this is the first time, well, not the first time we have had Joe and myself on, but this is the first time without a without a with a guest actually, where we've had. Um, so it's it's been a fantastic episode without Aaron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. Who, who who said that anyway? Oh, crucial, awesome. Yeah, somebody said uh, awesome. Thanks, Scott, as well. Uh, it's a shame that Aaron couldn't join. I was really looking forward to um to have to. Aaron's a Aaron's a finance superstar as well, and he's just just a guy who wants to add heaps of value. He's had him on a couple of times, and you you've kind of you've had um, professional engagements with him as well. So yeah, um, yeah no. he's a lovely guy, and I'm sure we'll hear more from Aaron over over the years as well. But the reason he cut out was because I think he was away and very kindly gave up his time while he was away on a family holiday. In yeah, I, I, I didn't realize. <laughs> poor poor bloke, he's just absolutely. So he said his internet and mobile's gone down totally. So he's in the middle. In the middle of no, I driven to a spot that had mobile to send you send you a message. Jeez, so he's absolutely oh, committed. Like I, thank I just, you, I just love, yeah, nah, good, good on him. But no, I appreciate you coming on, Scott. And as always, it's I learned something. I learned something new every time. I learned something every time uh, we, we we have a chat. So uh, pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm always happy to reach out and give value. And you don't have to engage my services. I'm always happy to help. Uh, I love it when people will tag me on Oz Property Investors and ask very specific questions. So keep them firing over the over the uh, course of your buying journey and I'm happy to help as much as I can. And as Joe says, let's go buy a property. Let's go negotiate to buy a property. See you guys. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.